bringing 3,000 conference guests to the province would contribute to the tourism and hospitality center. With thousands more viewing on the virtual platform and able to see what South Africa can offer. And of course, it was important that we continue to provide this important platform to bring together social partners and civil society from around the world to engage and share best practice for the purpose of eliminating child labor by 2025 in line with the sustainable goals set by the United Nations. So our thanks for the support from across government, from the presidents to national departments, to the premier of the province and the municipality. To the budget vote, strategically the department seeks to leverage its existing programs to intensify its employment mandate, whilst continuing to play a regular role in the labor market to promote equitable, safe and decent work, and also provide social protection to workers. This approach underpins our efforts to reconfigure the department to strengthen the employment mandate. These tasks are made more difficult by the unprecedented levels of unemployment currently standing at 34.5%, according to the statistics uh, South Africa. Uh, that is the labor force survey for the first quarter of 2022. A slight improvement on the previous quarter at 35.3%. Similarly, a 1.9% GDP growth for the quarter one of 2022. It gives grounds for cautious optimism with the GDP returning to the pre-COVID levels. The factors behind high unemployment are well known. The economy was already sluggish before the pandemic. The lockdowns to cap the spread of the COVID-19 came at a heavy price. A 7% fall in the economic activity and the shedding of up to 2 million jobs. And as the economic activity started to recover last year, we were hit by the July criminal riots, further destroying the livelihood. And again, most recently, KZN faced devastating floods, which destroyed the lives, infrastructure, and jobs. International events and economic trends have generally not assisted. Under the current circumstances of high unemployment, the state has to intervene, including via the presidential employment stimulus that has already benefited some 800,000 South Africans youth in particular. In the recent years, the department has received a favorable unqualified audit from the Auditor General. In respect of the 2021-22 audit that is currently underway, it is envisaged that once again, an unqualified opinion will be received. The same applies to the CCMA, the Productivity South Africa and NETLEC. We also anticipate improved findings for the two funds, that is the UIF and the Compensation Fund. Plans are being implemented to fundamentally review the organizational architecture, the systems and processes of the funds. This will not happen overnight. And there are no shortcuts to fix, fixing systemic problems. Forensic auditors have been engaged to address the widespread fraud and corruption which occurred in the funds. The benefits in the case of the UIF COVID-19 terrorist program are already being felt with the return of nearly 1 billion rand in irregular and illegal payments. 
audit uh, action plans were implemented to address uh, areas identified by the Office of the AG. The UIF has already moved from a disclaimer to a qualified audit, again achieved in the face of massively increased claims for unemployment and the relief benefits. We can agree that the key to improve the performance is strengthening good governance and fighting fraud and corruption. In 2020, we announced the addition of 500 occupational health and safety inspectors and their work is yielding results. In 1920, there were 28,000 OHS inspectors. In 2021, this jumped to 62,000 inspections. Last year, there were 36,000 compliant and 26,000 non-compliant employers, with the Eastern Cape leading the field on the non-compliance of over 9,000 cases. And the most common forms of non-compliance relate to general safety regulations, COVID-19 directions, hazardous chemical substances, environmental regulations for workplaces, electrical installation regulations, and facilities regulations. To deal with these challenges, the branch has developed national mega blitz inspection plans to cover backlogs and priority areas. The inspectors will visit 839,000 workplaces over the next five years. Enhancing social security for workers is one of our priorities. The compensation fund implemented the new claims management system and results include an improved or an improvement in the adjudication of claims. As at the 31 December 2021, a total of over 90,000 claims were received, of which 79% were adjudicated within 30 working days of receipt. When the Compensation Fund seeks to strengthen an efficient online system to manage verified claims, that brings the fund into conflict with vested interest, the third-party middlemen, an industry that grew up exactly because of the past inefficiencies of the past, or I mean of the fund. If the fund successfully reforms itself, the reason for their existence falls away. That's why they are shop stewards here in parliament. They always scream. The fund continues to ensure that the medical services medical service providers are paid. Of 533,000 claims received as at the 31st December 2021, 87% were finalized within 40 working days of receipt. Some 8,000 requests for pre-authorization of specialized medical interventions were received during this period, and 97% were finalized within 10 working days of receipt. The fund paid a total of 3.3 billion in benefits, of which 93% was paid within five working days. I believe that members of the portfolio committee witnessed the smooth processing of the claims for both funds on their oversight visit to the Eastern Cape. The Compensation Fund continues with the rehabilitation program, which includes the provision of assistive devices. Persons with disabilities are enrolled in vocational rehabilitation programs through the post-school education and training institutions, and they are fully funded. 
return to work programs and show that those who are injured in the workplace are reintegrated into the labor market. <coughs> the UIF played a significant role during the lockdown period in a drive to cushion workers and businesses. Over 64 billion has been spent by the UIF towards COVID-19 test benefit, helping sustain economic activity across every province and community. In response to the July riots, TERS funded another program, which we called Workers Affected by Unrest, WABU. To date, over 4,000 employees were paid the relief at the expenditure of about 14 million. More WABU payments will be made upon completion of the due diligence process. Because we do not want to repeat the mistakes which were done um, the other year when we were under pressure to pay the millions of workers. In response to the jobs crisis, the UIF has created and saved jobs through the investment with the Industrial Development Cooperation to the tune of $5 billion over five years. These investments support the SMMEs, the Black industrialists, the women-owned companies and startups, as well as prevent, I mean, preserving existing jobs. Through the UIF Labor Activation Program, which we call LEP, the department contributes to training of the unemployed as part of the government initiative to stimulate the creation of jobs in the labor market. For 2022-23 financial year, the UIF's LEP has set aside a budget of 3.1 billion to fund the training of unemployed, the normal test and business turnaround and re-engineering. Through the training of the unemployed program, the fund implements projects with implementing partners with employment guarantees at the end of the term of the project. To this end, the KwaZulu Natal Department of Education has already absorbed over 14,000 participants from one of the projects funded through the labor activation program. The temporary employment employer relief scheme, the normal scheme now, not the one for terrorists, provides support to distressed companies that seek to retain their employees. The business turnaround and recovery program is funded by the unemployment insurance fund to provide support to enterprises facing economic distress and initiatives aimed at preventing job losses. Of importance is that the labor activation program has taken strategic direction that training of the unemployed should be demand-led and lead to employment at the end of the training program, not training for the sake of training. In the medium-term expenditure framework, the MTF period, the LEP has planned for 75,000 participants in the program that enhance their employability. The UIF will continue to pursue the government's drive to pay the suppliers within 30 days. As at the end of quarter three of 2021-22, the fund has paid 98% of the received invoices within 30 uh, calendar days. To look at the policy and legislation to promote equity in the workplace, Parliament on the 29th November 2021 ratified the ILO Convention 190 concerning the elimination of violence and harassment in the workplace. In order to fulfill the international obligations that emanate from this, the department developed in consultation with the social partners a step-by-step -step practical code of good uh, practice on the prevention and elimination 
of harassment at the workplace, which was released on 18th March 2022. Over the last year, the department has extended 26 collective agreements to non-parties. This is critical in fighting persistent poverty and inequality experienced by the so many working people. The national minimum wage was ascended to in 2018, setting a historic precedent in the protection of the low-earning vulnerable workers in South Africa and provided a platform for reducing inequality and the huge disparities in income. The 6.9% adjustment of the national minimum wage increased rates from 21 around 69 cents to 23 rand 19 cents per hour, effective from the 1st of March 2022, applicable to all sectors. This increase will benefit about 892,000 domestic workers who are overwhelmingly women and 800,000 farm workers. Contrary to the opposition's belief, the research findings indicate that there is no major negative impact on employment as a result of the national minimum wage. This is international research. The Department of the Public Employment Services or Department's Public Employment Services, the branch which drives the implementation of the labor market policies, including the provision of free career counseling, job placing, retraining, and upskilling, strives to create an enabling environment for employment growth. At an operational level, the Department of Employment and Labor continues to provide support to many desperate work seekers. For the period April 2021 to 28 February 2020, 59,000 unemployed work seekers were placed in the employment opportunities. It is important that this service is utilized across the economy and across the public sector. The department also actively participates in the digital pathway management, uh, pathway network management system, which is as of January 2022, offered 674 job opportunities over the two phases of the presidential youth employment stimulus, 596,000 appointments of school, I mean, school assistance have been made, the single largest youth employment program in the country, supporting the aims of the presidential youth employment intervention. The department will also extend the UIF lab training projects aimed at creating jobs, particularly for the youth in the fiber optics, food handling, and farming sectors. We will also establish 10 specialized youth centers over the coming two years, in addition to our 126 labor centers, part-time centers, mobile centers, and departmental buses expand the physical reach of the employment services to more remote areas. During 2021, a total of 991 workers with disabilities and 48 administrative sub were subsidized. A total of 20.9 million was paid to these workers as at the end of quarter four of 2021 to support the employment programs. The Commission for Conciliation and Arbitration, the CCMA section 189 possesses or the, the processes for the period one April to the first day, um, to the 31st December 21 has resulted in 44% of jobs being saved. And 14,000 jobs of those employees were threatened with retrenchments. The Employment Equity Amendment Bill is intended to expedite the pace of transformation in the labor market and ensure that 
those non-compliant organizations that resist transformation do not continue to financially benefit from the state contracts or doing business with the state. The Employment Equity Amendment Bill and the COIDA Amendment Bill have been adopted in the National Assembly, and I look forward to the members of the NCOP applying their minds to the two bills. Other pieces of legislation for legislators' consideration are the Occupational Health and Safety Amendment Bill and the Employment Services Amendment Bill. The draft National Labor Migration Policy has been released for comment. Now it's closed. In addition, the department is conducting a national roadshow to engage the stakeholders. We have received, Chairperson, more than 4,000 submissions. This policy seeks to balance the constitutional rights of all to labor protections, the expectations of the South Africans to access work, our international obligations and treaties, and the needs of the economy for scarce skills. The department has also led the process of developing the South African national employment policy in collaboration with the ILO and leading local experts. Following a rigorous situational analysis, the first draft of the policy has been completed for consultation with the social partners. Finally, Chairperson, let me thank the Deputy Minister, the staff of the department, and the commissioners and executives of the entities led by the DG for their commitment and hard work in achieving the targets and continuing to provide services in the difficult conditions. Honorable Chairperson, I hereby table the budget of the Department of Employment and Labor for 2023, an amount of just short of 4 billion rand. I thank you, sir. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable uh, Minister. We will now proceed to the next speaker, Honorable Mandakai. Honorable Kai. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Greetings to you. Uh, greetings to Deputy Chairperson of the National Council of Provinces, uh, Minister of and Deputy Minister of Employment and Labor, uh, House Chairpersons, Chief Whip, MECs, uh, permanent and special uh, delegates, uh, fellow South Africans. Uh, let me start by indicating uh, to the minister that uh, the NCOP has uh, already adopted the Employment Equity and the uh, COID. Uh, employment Equity is on its way to the president and the COID is uh, back to the NA Portfolio Committee. Uh, Honorable Chairperson, we are meeting to consider Vote 31, Employment and Labor, uh, on the eve of our National Youth Day when we will be commemorating the 46th anniversary of June 16, 1976. This day remains a painful memory in the minds of the majority of South Africans. It causes pain mainly because while we have made progress since the dawn of democracy in terms of addressing the grievances of the youth who fought against apartheid, there are new challenges facing young people, particularly working class youth, in townships and rural areas, such as unemployment, substance abuse, and poverty. We still have a long way to go to address these challenges as a nation. Political events in the recent past have the potential to defocus government and our country away from the most important objective of building an inclusive and growing economy 
that create jobs and raises revenues to fund social protection programs. The economic headwinds facing our country and the whole world, such as rising prices of energy, food, and essential goods, are the most important challenges we need to face together and overcome in South Africans. Last month, our government, led by the Department of Employment and Labor, successfully co-hosted the International Labor Organization, the fifth global conference on the elimination of child labor. The debate on child labor takes greater significance in the context of Youth Day. We know that there are political parties that do not support the strict regulation of the workplace and the outlawing of the exploitation of children as laborers. They do so on behalf of their funders, particularly agribusiness and other sectors where child labor is used extensively. Government has put in place programs to ensure that the young workers and entrepreneurs absorbed into the labor market and involved in the productive sector of the economy. In March, the employee tax incentives was expanded to make it easier for employers to hire more young employees. As part of government's drive to create a new generation of black industrialists, uh, create jobs and transform the economy. Last year, it approved 2.5 billion rands in a new support to about 180 black industrialists in the form of loans and grants. Over the next three years, a further 21 billion rand has been committed to support black industrialists and an additional 25 billion rand to support black women, youth and worker owned companies. In spite of these efforts, we must acknowledge that in the fourth quarter of 2021, the country's unemployment rate reached a high of 35.3%. This was up from a previous record of 34.9% in the third quarter of 2021. It is also worth noting that the employment increased by 540,000 during the same period, owing to a seasonal boost in demand for labor. The labor force survey for the first quarter of 2022 showed that South Africa official unemployment rate decreased in the first quarter of 2022, marking the first easing since the third quarter of 2020. Until now, our country's unemployment hit record highs for six consecutive quarters. 370,000 jobs were gained between the fourth quarter of 2021 and the first quarter of 2022. The the biggest job gains were recorded in community and social services, manufacturing and trade. These positive gains must be sustained. Must also consider how we respond to, to and deal with the unpleasant circumstances created by COVID-19 epidemic, as well as the necessary harsh lockdown, which resulted in the loss of approximately 2 million jobs. As a result of the most important task undertaken by the democratic state in 2020 was to present the economic reconstruction and recovery plan as a direct response to this massive challenge. Over the medium term, the department is anticipated to spend approximately 11.7 billion in order to realize government policy priorities. In this context, 
in the light of the economic challenges, impact of COVID-19, and strained national fiscals, coordination and collaborative efforts across government would offer positive societal yields. Greater focus would be more on coordinating and integrating the roles around policies that relate to innovation, technology, industry, trade, development finance, and regulating markets, and including skills development. The aim is to attain government policy agenda to tackle grand socioeconomic challenges. It is clear that development partnership will need to be formed across government and improve business and government relations. This will need better engagement by social partners to improve labor market conditions. The energy that we have seen in addressing the COVID-19 should be multiplied. On supported uh, employment entities, it is a concern that the supported employment enterprises entity is experiencing financial stability challenges. The entity can potentially play a much more significant role if it it receives increased support from government and SOEs in terms of procurement of its production, such as furniture, which is of really good quality. In the period ahead, the department has made a commitment to repurpose and lift the organizational health and capacity, including financial sustainability of the supported employment enterprises. The supported employment enterprises form an integral part of the Department of Labor and labor spending related to the labor market programs, tackling social and economic risks faced by persons with physical disabilities. We have emphasized, Honorable Chairperson, that over the medium term, the department working closely with National Treasury in partnership with the Department of Trade, Industry and Competition should work on a mechanism that will ensure business operation of supported employment enterprises are sustainable. Furthermore, Honorable Chair, we emphasize that both the department and National Treasury should explore, apart from the spending transfers, alternative funding and financing resources to or sources to support growth and expansion of the supported employment enterprises. On labor disputes, we are glad that the strike at Sibanya Stillwater has finally come to an end after three months of workers and employers being at loggerheads with each other. From this week, gold operation in Johannesburg and Free State are resuming operation after the signing of a three-year wage deal which has brought the protracted but peaceful strike to an end. The operational setup of the mines will now be conducted in phase manner over the two to three months to ensure the safe resumption of production. The question we must ask is, did it have to take a whole three months to resolve the dispute? It has been reported that against a wage demand of 1,000 uh, rent increase per month, per year, the final wage deal C category four to eight employees receive an increase of 1,000 rent in year one, 900 rent in year two, and 750 rent in year three. Minors, artisans, and officials 
will receive an average increase of 5% in years one and three, and 5.5% in year two. This seems to be a reasonable agreement that could have been reached without such a protracted strike. If the CEO and mining executive and shareholders of Sibanya Steelwater were raking in hundreds millions of rand each in the form of remuneration and shares, had some Ubuntu value in them, the losses in income suffered by workers could have been averted. We also need to learn from the social democratic countries in Europe, such as Finland and Sweden, where there is a mature culture of social compacting and wage negotiations are more transparent and compromises are made with the aim being to meet the needs of both employers and workers. Netlag is a key institution where discussions are taking place between government and social partners where difficult issues that have wide-ranging implications for our economy are being discussed. We call on the parties to these discussions to build a new consensus that pairs economic reform with measures to support employment and expand social protection. A social combat should be substantial and meaningful and make a real and lasting difference to the trajectory of our economy. On CCMA, the CCMA has been very helpful to employers and organized workers in terms of settling labor dispute. Increase in spending with regard to CCMA is highly recognized. This spending would enable CCMA to meet its legislation and policy commitments. The current economic conditions need more stable industrial relations. We cannot afford a single day stoppage of economic activity. At a very, very same breadth and attitude, the cost of living standards of ordinary workers should be prioritized. The call for fairer economy and just economy is a noble call for economic justice. On on compensation fund, the department must continue maintaining oversight over the compensation fund while we commend the progress made in the turnaround, the entity uh, more still needs to be done uh, to improve the audit outcomes of the entity. Public fund must be fully accounted for and services must be more accessible to workers and medical providers with less involvement of middlemen who are supported by parties like the Democratic Alliance. Honorable Chairperson, I believe the spending plans of Department of Employment and Labor and government in general alive and aligned to the economic reconstruction and recovery plan as complemented by the reimagine industrial strategy. Government is committed to implement combination of actionable measures to lift economic growth and to improve the resilience of the economy by shoring up productivity and job creation, enhancing the strength of social protection system to combat extreme poverty. This has been articulated by the president here in parliament and in many global and domestic events and emphasizing the need to helping people invest in productive assets and to ensuring that public and private investment be directed to productive assets, including supporting workers and society in general to smoothly transition 
to the new economy shaped by technological advancement and sustainable investment. The focus is on improved economy and sustainable jobs. The African continental free trade area present, uh, present trade, investment, and employment opportunities. We expect the department to grab the opportunities afforded by the African continental free trade agreement. We have emphasized before that the intra-African trade expansion encouraged by appropriate investment in infrastructure and the removal of barriers to trade and investment will help us as a country to meet our developmental policy priorities and also reposition Africa as a serious global economic player. The employment and labor migration policies should also respond appropriately to the spirit of African integrated regional economic demands and opportunities. In conclusion, Honorable Chairperson, the department must define its employment mandate and the role it plays in this regard. Lastly, just to echo the words of the president uh, last week, uh, what South African people want above all else is to, is to their, quality of, uh, quality, their quality of life improve. They do not care for political squabbles, rivalries, uh, plots and intrigue. They want better se basic services. They want jobs and opportunities to better themselves. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Khai. We'll then proceed to Honorable uh, Mboko. Uh, Honorable Mboko. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, greetings to the Minister of Employment and Labor, Honorable Tulas Nancy, Deputy Minister, uh, Honorable Members of the Socast House, ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. Honorable House Chair, it is my singular honor to be part of this debate and on behalf of the Eastern Cape, I wish to welcome and declare our support of the budget vote for the Department of Employment and Labor as delivered by Minister Nguyen. In his speech, he, the minister admitted, rightly so, that the country is at the dawn of recovery after having been battered by the advent of coronavirus pandemic, climate change effects and other global economic shocks. The factors have exerted severe damage in the already struggling economy. Through this, uh, many businesses have faced closure and an increasing number of businesses have experienced revenue losses, which in turn has caused thousands of job losses. Throughout these shocks, the Eastern Cape, just like other provinces, was not spared. During the COVID-19 pandemic, for instance, approximately 648 Eastern Cape businesses explored retrenchment processes with 13,595 job losses. Those still are under severe constraint were encouraged by the recent States SA provincial economic indicators. States SA last week reported that the country's economy trajectory has equaled pre-COVID levels with 1.9% GDP growth in quarter one of 2022. This shows that our recovery efforts and the reopening of economic activities post hard lockdowns are yielding desired results. Honorable members, the Eastern Cape has also been a beneficiary to a number of programs and interventions that have been provided by the Department of Employment and Labor. As such, there are 9,078 occupational health and safety inspections that were conducted in the province, 
in 2021-22. And this is thanks to the 500 additional occupational health and safety inspectors employed in 2020 by the Department of Employment and Labor and was presented by Honorable Minister Nessie in his budget vote. SNK province has 49 additional uh, occupational health and safety inspectors, an 82% increase from the previous number of 12 uh, OHS inspectors that previously covered the province. The current number of OHS uh, inspectors for Eastern Cape stands at 61, and the spread across the province has improved the response time on complaints, unlike before when OHS inspectors were only located in big labor centers. With respect to the compensation funds vocational rehabilitation program in the SNK province, we have seen 11 persons with disabilities who are compensation fund pensioners getting enrolled at Fox, Fort Fox Agricultural College, where they receive training in piggery, poultry, crop, and animal production over a four month period. They completed their training and graduated on the 14th of April 2022. The UFF uh, continues to pay the temporary employer employer-employee relief uh, scheme, and on the 30th April 2022, about 3.2 billion was paid to 13,858 employers and 257,316 employees in our province. We are pleased that the department um, uh, in the Eastern Cape has paid 100% of invoices received within 30 days in the 2021-22 financial year. Our reports show that 1,851 invoices were received and 1,851 were paid with a monetary value of 22.1 million rand. This has a positive impact on the operation of SME businesses and their cash flow projections. We're also pleased that the Department of Employment and Labor continues to strengthen the economy of the province through its infrastructure development in collaboration with the province's Department of Public Work and Infrastructure. In this regard, Two labor centers are due for official opening in Tata and Patawith. A youth employment center in Tanzania is also due for official launch. A fit that will assist to drive the employment of youth in one of the biggest townships in the country. We also welcome the development of the national labor migration policy as pronounced by the minister. Our niche in the work that is currently underway is in the road freight logistics and logistics industry which uh, MSC Tikana Klotiwe is the co-convener of the task as appointed by uh, Premier Oscar Mabuyan. Once again, I wish to welcome and relay our support to the budget vote of the Department of Employment and Labor. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Mboko. We'll proceed to Honorable uh, S. Boshoff. Honorable Boshoff. Honorable Chairperson, thank you very much. Honorable Minister, W.E.B. Du Bois, one of the foremost intellectuals of his era and pan-Africanist civil rights activist quoted in the late 1980s that, we should measure the prosperity of a nation not by the number of millionaires, but by the absence of poverty, the prevalence of health, the efficiency of the public school sector, and the number of people who can and do read worthwhile books. The ANC cannot deny that what Du Bois stated is correct, and due to not being able to provide the majority of our citizens any form of prosperity, they are currently living the impoverished life. The unemployment rate in South Africa remains undeniably high. 
there are many factors contributing to the unemployment, of which the lack of education and training remains the root cause of unemployment, leading to the labor supply and demand mismatch, as the number of jobs available simply do not accommodate those who wish to enter the labor market. Another factor is the lack of interest and support for entrepreneurs. The biggest stumbling block is government legislation, which is complicated, time-consuming, and costly, making making it close to impossible for the average South African to start a business. Even though we saw a decrease in the unemployment rate by 0.8% to 34.5%, this does by no means mean that South Africa is on the right trajectory. We saw huge job gains in community and social services with 281,000 jobs, manufacturing with 263,000 jobs, and trade with 98,000 jobs. However, this does not paint a rosy picture, as there were job losses in private households of 186,000, finance, 72,000, construction, 60,000, and agriculture, 23,000. The most disadvantaged are the youth in South Africa, with an unemployment rate higher than the national average. According, according to the quarterly labor force survey for the first quarter of 2022, the unemployment rate was 63.9% for those aged 15 to 24, and 42.1% for those aged 25 to 34, whilst the current official national rate stands at 34.5%. We see the graduate unemployment rate remaining relatively low in comparison with those of other educational levels. But unfortunately, unemployment among the youth continues to be a burden, irrespective of educational attainment. Year on year, the unemployment rate among young graduates aged 15 to 34 years declined from 40.3% to 32.6%, while it increased by 6.9 percentage points to 22.4% for those aged 25 to 34 years in quarter one of 2022. With over 10 million young people aged 15 to 34 years, oh, bless you, Chair, of these, only 2.5 million were in the labor force. The largest share, 7.7 million, or 75.1% of this, are those that are out of the labor force. That is, they are completely inactive. Why, Minister, would this be? It is because they are immensely discouraged as they have lost hope of finding a job that suits their skills. Another reason is that in the area they reside, there are no jobs. 37% of the youth are regarded as youth not in employment, education, or training. This month is Youth Month, and we will be seeing celebrations taking place all over the country under the theme of the Year of Charlotte Manya Makreke, Growing Youth Employment for an Inclusive and Transformed Society. Focusing on various youth development and empowerment initiatives support, to support young people, once again, government is full of talk on how they will address this enormous injustice of the youth, but the action will not be there. Even though a decline was recorded, the unemployment rate, according to the expanded definition 
of unemployment remains high at 45.5% if one takes into consideration those who have given up looking for a job. Unfortunately, Honourable Minister, the decline will be short-lived as we will shortly see a huge increase in the unemployment rate should the President enact the newly passed Employment Equity Amendment Bill. My colleague, Dr. Michael Cardo, who serves in the NA, has written to the President urging him not to sign the job-destroying Employment Equity Amendment Bill into law. The National Council of Provinces passed the bill on 17 May 2022, several months after it was given the green light by the National Assembly, despite the ANC's initial embarrassing failure to muster a quorum. This bill is nothing short of destructive and will only worsen South Africa's economic situation. It is not only the DA that maintains the bill is pernicious and unconstitutional, but so too are the majority of South Africans who are of the opinion that this bill is unconstitutional and the labor courts, high courts and constitutional courts must be placed on alert in order for them to be ready to attend to the many disputes which will emanate from the enactment by the president. The international race relations has already indicated that should it be enacted, they will contest its legality in court. Why, Minister, has your department not engaged with the IRR as requested in a letter sent to you to which you promised that a response would be forthcoming? But as usual, nothing was received. They are offering you respected legal and economic analysis for free. So too has the DA presented a private member's bill on cutting red tape and on the ease of doing business, which would see SMMEs growing and assisting in reducing the unemployment figure. This amendment bill will do nothing but empower you, Minister, to set numerical sectoral employment equity targets for any national economic sector after a somewhat vague defined process of consultation with relevant sectors. These tasks, targets will be backed by fines for non-compliance. This bill is nothing more than another form of racial intervention. The bill will have a devastating effect on investment and job creation without any actual transformation taking place in the workplace. South Africa will see how economic growth will be undermined and unemployment skyrocketing. The bill will instill more crony capitalism, benefiting ANC cadres only and further demoralizing the unemployed. Minister, over the past six months, new world immigration has experienced a 50% increase in inquiries from South Africans wanting to move abroad. It seems the ongoing issues relating to state infrastructure is the main reason why people are looking to move. Load shedding, unemployment, corrupt government officials, and crime are cited reasons as well. More and more professionals are really struggling to secure good careers and income opportunities to live a better life in South Africa. What is worrying is that more and more farmers are also inquiring about migration. This does not bode well for this country, as this will bring about more poverty, less jobs, and no food security. Honorable Minister, we need to see you and your government bringing about tangible change in presenting the unemployed with potential 
and potential immigrants with a workable plan of action, giving them the assurance that South Africa is the country of the future and less legislation that is causing irrevocable damage to the economy and unemployment. You and your government need to swallow your pride and join forces with other stakeholders and organizations to seek ways to tackle the ever-growing unemployment rate. I thank you. Thank you, Chair. We've lost you, Chair. I can't hear you. Yeah, I'm muted, Chair. about that, Chair. Honorable Mulloy? Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Um, thank you so much, Honorable Chairperson Tate Amos Masondo and Deputy Chair of the NCOP and Ms. Sylvia Lucas, Honorable Members of the NCOP, Honorable Minister of Employment and Labor, my Minister Ndate Tulas Nwesi, and all Cabinet Ministers and Deputy Ministers who might be present in this platform. Um, uh, Honorable Seiso Mohai, the NCOP Chief Whip, and uh, Honorable Chairperson of, uh, of the Select Committee, uh, and members of the Select Committee, and uh, all Honorable MECs present. Ladies and gentlemen, I greet you all. Honorable Chairperson, we meet here under the theme facilitating jobs, social protection, and decent work. Uh, we are very clear and unambiguous about this, and, uh, and South Africans will always remember us uh, for being on the side of the masses. Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members, allow me with reference uh, to the input of the Minister to put in uh, a few points into perspective for the purpose of this debate. Uh, Honorable Chairperson, Minister has already indicated that the budget vote 31 for employment and labor that we are debating today is of the department that is receiving unqualified audit outcomes consistently. I need to ever emphasize that, honorable members, it is extremely important for us to continue to overemphasize this point uh, because we are living in challenging times uh, where the little that we have get consumed by a series of disasters, uh, some natural, others man-made or person-made, uh, honorable chairperson. And these disasters drain the limited funds allocated to the departments. So it is uh, judicious and all that all government departments spend the public purse sensibly and prudently. This budget vote, honorable members, uh, is tabled against the highly cost containment restrictions due to the high, very low revenue base as a result uh, of uh, our battling economy. Uh, just as a reminder, honorable members, that opposing this budget uh, vote is equal to opposing service delivery at the doorstep of the people uh, you only and uh, you will only remember when uh, you're seeking their votes. 
Uh, opposing this budget, honorable members, is the highest form of betrayal of the people, a disdain of the mass line, and a clear disregard for those who rely on state interventions and, and such as this budget vote to better their lives. Chairperson, we are one of the departments that has a very firm national food Print. We have 126 labor centers, which remain our infrastructure, and then a number of satellite offices. We also have mobile buses that bring employment and labor services at the doorstep of, of our communities. Honorable members, we will be shifting our focus to talking less as a department and rather showcase and demonstrate our achievements by just doing what is right and what our people want and need. We will leave those who speak but do nothing for our people to continue talking. We will parade our achievements, uh, the payments of claims, registration of work seekers and the jobs that we have created through these interventions for everyone to start appreciating our one plan approach and the collaborative efforts with other departments, the district and the local municipalities in the delivery of services to our people. And these honorable members will give a clear distinction between those who are grandstanding for votes and those who seek proximity to our people by doing nothing at all from those who do the hard work but never seek for praise singing. Honorable Chairperson, it is common knowledge that South Africa has a very stubborn unemployment. This high unemployment rate is stubborn because it is deep-seated. And it is deep-seated because it is historical. The high unemployment rate, Honorable Chair, uh, did not come with the ANC. It was designed, planned, and meticulously implemented by the erstwhile racist white minority government. It is this structural unemployment that is linked to, the, to a system that was well-designed to disempower the majority in this country who remain the disenfranchised. Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members, uh, we are leaving no, no one behind. In this case, our labor activation programs, which is administered by the UIF, has set aside 551 million for these three projects uh, for 19,921 beneficiaries, of which uh, 70% uh, are for former UIF contributors uh, who lost their jobs to undergo training in these following skills. Uh, 14,771 beneficiaries as chief food handlers, 5,000 beneficiaries in enterprise development, which also in, uh, talks to mixed economy, and 150 beneficiaries as fiber optic technicians. Uh, honorable chairperson, honorable members, uh, the much talked about national labor migration policy is currently undergoing public consultations, soon to be finalized. The minister uh, has expanded sufficiently in this regard, but by this national labor migration policy, honorable members, we are manufacturing a tool that the, the country must be able to use to dealing with the domestic labor market in the light that South African finds themselves having to compete with foreign nationals uh, on assen, assessing, accessing jobs. And we also have very uh, uh, mischievous employers, uh, honorable members, that neglect South African work seekers and have close to 100% employees coming from outside of South Africa. And government's intervention into this matter should be the one uh, that is coordinated, comprehensive, uh, and sustainable, but also ensuring harmony and stability as well as a win-win situation. And that what the national that's what the national labor migration policy is all about in a nutshell honorable chairperson honorable chair uh, the people uh, with regards to the employment equity amendment bill uh, uh, i heard uh, honorable boshoff talking about that uh, the people uh, that elected us want change uh, we just cannot afford to sit on our laurels nibble around the edges and allow the status quo to prevail
It is a fact, uh, Honorable Chairperson, that employers were given more than enough time and the opportunity to regulate themselves. We literally left this important task to the employers for years, and they are not coming to the party. We gave them a blank check of just ensuring that there is equity in employment and do, and to demonstrate to us that the designated groups are not left behind. We are now amending the Employment Equity Act to empower the Minister of Employment and Labor to regulate sector-specific employment equity targets. This is going to happen immediately after consultation uh, with the sector stakeholders and uh, the, on the advice of the Commission for Employment Equity. We aim to re reduce regulatory burden on small employers employing in between the ranges of uh, zero to 49 employees uh, or to 50 employees. And I want to uh, emphasize uh, that, Honorable uh, Chair, that the Employment Equity Compliance Certificate is critical in ensuring that financial benefits from the state only accrue to organizations that are committed and willing to contribute to the transformation agenda of this country. Uh, and I must say also to Honorable Boshoff, uh, who spoke earlier, that the state cannot continue to benefit, uh, to financially benefit organizations and employers that are anti-transformation and those uh, who resist compliance with the laws of the country. The status quo must be disrupted, Honorable Members, and we must act decisively against those who undermine our transformation agenda. In this regard, uh, these uh, small employers uh, will be exempted from complying with employment equity administrative processes of conducting analysis of their workplaces, preparing e employment equity plans and comply complying with sector uh, uh, employment equity targets or submitting um, uh, an employment equity report. And as a result, uh, ladies and gentlemen, honorable members, honorable chairperson, uh, this creates a conducive environment for um, investment and for small businesses to grow and create jobs. Furthermore, the amendments are intended to promulgate section 53 of this Employment Equity Act, which deals with the issuing of employment equity compliance certificates as a prerequisite uh, for access to state contracts or to conduct business with any organ of state. We are delighted, honorable members, that this house has passed the employment equity amendment bill, which has now, uh, it's now with the president for assent. Uh, with regards to quiet amendment bill, uh, Chairperson, in this financial year 2021-2022, we also brought to Parliament amendments to the Compensation Fund for Occupational Injuries and Diseases, Quida. And again, this House has efficiently processed that particular bill, which among others, other important aspects of it is to ensure that the domestic workers are also recognized as workers as they are, and they must be uh, beneficiaries of that accrue to all other employees. In conclusion, Honorable Chairperson, allow me uh, to take this opportunity to thank our Minister, Dr. Tula Sinwesi, our Director General, uh, Mr. Tobile Lamati, the entire staff of the Department of, uh, for demonstrating the commitment and the support in the facilitation of jobs, social protection, and decent work. We call on all the parties uh, that are here in this OCOP to support this budget uh, vote 31 of unemployment and labor and not doing so honorable members uh, know that you are voting against job previous jobs previous, uh, preservation jobs creation uh, uh, and means uh, to reducing the high unemployment rate and poverty in our country uh, i want to take this opportunity honorable chairperson to thank you uh, for your audience thank you thank you very much we'll proceed to honorable Aplani. honorable Aplani. Yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson of the House. Uh, uh, you will forgive me for the video. I'm in the farms uh, at Middleback, in Ubaya Chamber Municipality. 
uh, the network is not stable. Uh, Chairperson, the Economic Freedom Fighters rejects uh, the proposed budget for the Department of Employment and Labor. We rejected the budget uh, of the department, which is known for its failures than anything else, as it has on numerous occasions failed to execute its constitutional mandate. Today, South Africa has one of the highest unemployment rates in the world. Many of the unemployed are youth uh, or young people who have given up looking for work and have, and have had uh, to resort uh, to sitting at home, becoming more unemployed, resorting to crime and substance abuse. Uh, there are currently existing more than 11 million people in our country today who are willing, capable, and ready to work. Uh, some are even tired of looking and have given up. The streets of Ezpunzane, uh, Dangan village, uh, in Mtanzane, uh, King Williamstown, Zuelicha, in the Eastern Cape are all filled with black young uh, roaming the street with no purpose. Uh, the condition of our youth across all provinces is very worrying and sends a, mes as a message that it would take many years for our country to recover from our current situation. We are losing young people who hopelessly become, uh, because, I'm sorry, of uh, the lack of industrial development in South Africa. The youth of our country have been left to down in depression and uh, the graduates of, our, of South Africa are on the streets begging for jobs. One cannot help but ask, what difference is the budget going to change now? As after 28 years into democracy, millions and billions of rands have been spent uh, on this department with no results at all. Year in and year out, Statistics South Africa draws a very scary picture of exceedingly government failure to create jobs for South Africans. The unemployment situation in South Africa remains a nightmare, all at the backdrop of a fragile economy that has been uh, battered by COVID-19 and the ruling party failures to address its functional issues. Chairperson, what remains evident is that the crisis of unemployment in South Africa is a direct result of the lack of political will from those in power. The industrial zones which were announced here have turned white elephants. The compensation fund continues to fail despite uh, multiple turnaround strategies Money is stolen, payments are made without paper trail, and no one is held accountable, especially the commissioner. This department needs leadership change than what it is asking us to do here today. For what it, is, it requires is a leadership which will advocate for the nationalization of strategic sectors of the economy, building state, uh, capacity, delivery of free quality education, health, houses and sanitation, massive protected industrial development to create millions of sustainable jobs. 
A leadership which will pass legislation that will ensure that all government departments and all public institutions employ a minimum of 40% of our people between the ages of 18 and 35. We need to pass the legislation that will ensure that all government departments and all public institutions spend 50% of their procurement budget on youth-owned businesses. We need to ensure that all private corporations employ a minimum of 35% of people between the ages of 18 and 85. We need to ensure that a minimum of 40% of budget allocation to government departments in all spheres of government is especially set aside for youth empowerment and upliftment. We need to invest in our youth and this should begin at ground level. We need to rescue the National Youth Development Agency from partisan management and chronism that China's funding that is supposed to develop youth projects uh, to the pockets of those affiliated with the ruling party. We need uh, regional and continental economic immigration uh, integration in a manner that will qualitatively and quantitatively expand economic activities and intra-trade in South Africa, the Sardec region and the South Southern continent. In this way, South Africans will be able to explore employment opportunities uh, in the continent and development mutually benefit beneficiary economic relations. All of the above are necessary changes to bring in place uh, so that we may have a positive employment impact in the long term. All the above require a capable leadership which cannot and will never be found in the ANC. We therefore, as the EFF reject this budget, uh, Chairperson, thank you very much. Thank you very much. We'll move on to Honorable D.M. Bartman. But before Bartman assumes the podium, I will hand over the chairing to Honorable Weningway. Honorable D.M. Bartman. Good afternoon, Honorable Chairperson, fellow South Africans. The Western Cape has the lowest expanded unemployment rate in the country at 29%, which is a decrease of 1.4 percentage points, compared to a 45.5% rate nationally, according to the Quarterly Labour Force Survey for the first quarter of 2020, released by Statsessa at the end of May. South Africa's inflation reached 5.9% year-on-year in April, right at the upper edge of the South African Reserve Bank's inflation target, with the fuel price hike putting even more pressure on consumers, jobs are a lifeline. Nationally, we have an underfunded CCMA, UIF, that does not get paid out on time if it gets paid out at all, and now we have an employment equity bill that will not achieve the outcomes it seeks to address, a bill which will negatively impact on future investments as well as jobs. Today, I would like to focus on the non-payout of COVID-19 TERS funding, which plagued our province. 
last year due to its severe impact on our province's Standing Committee on Finance, Economic Opportunities and Tourism launched public hearings on the impact of the non-payout of COVID-19 temporary employer employee relief scheme funding process undertaken by the Unemployment Insurance Fund on the Western Cape province in terms of Section 28, Subsection 3 of our provincial constitution. On 26 March 2020, Mr. Casey issued a directive in the Government Gazette initiating the COVID-19 TERS funding. The COVID-19 TERS funding administered was created to assist employees who had lost income due to the COVID-19 pandemic and the regulations which limited economic activity during the various levels of lockdown. On 3 February 2021, the Provincial Committee resolved to request that the UIF brief the Committee on the challenges relating to this TERS funding within the Western Cape. The UIF briefed the committee on 12 May 2021 and the committee unanimously resolved to conduct public participation process to gauge the public's perception on the COVID-19 TERS funding process. We advertised the public participation in nine mainstream and community newspapers in our official languages of the province. We had a social media campaign developed for the public participation process, which included an infographic on platforms such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and WhatsApp. We utilized additional means of capturing submissions via questionnaire that was linked to the provincial parliament's website. Submissions could be submitted via email, questionnaire, WhatsApp messages, and voice notes. Two separate documents were created to capture the TERS-related claims and non-TERS-related, but UIF-related claims, such as unemployment in benefits, uh, maternity benefits, retrenchment, and so on. And we blacked out personal details on documents for compliance of poppy. The period for submission for comments ran from 12 June until 12 July 2021. Communication was sent to all speakers, municipal managers and mayors of our municipalities in the Western Cape requesting participation in the process and assistance in spreading the information to employers and employees within their reach. And Provincial Parliament's Public Education Outreach Unit assisted the committee by forwarding the information and the request for participation to its stakeholders as well as the Community Development Network. We also worked with the Parliamentary Monitoring Group to assist the committee with spreading awareness about the public participation process by forwarding the information via their call for comments function, which reached almost 3,300 recipients. When the COVID-19 terms submission period concluded um, at close of business on 12 July 2021, the committee received 70 submissions on COVID-19 terms process. Some of these were individuals and some were each in submission dealt with multiple persons being represented. Of these, 44 were received via WhatsApp and voice notes, 16 via email and 10 via the questionnaire. But the majority of the submissions dealt with employers applying for TERS on behalf of employee or employees, but funds had not been received. Employees inquiring whether the employer had applied for TERS on their behalf, TERS applications indicating that the process is still pending or that there was an error, and that the TERS application system was always down, non-functional, or there was no reply from the UIF, and that the call center phones just kept ringing. It is easy to claim chairperson and that there will now be forensic auditing for fraud cases. But the reality remains that effective systems were not in place even before the pandemic in order to prevent such fraud from occurring in the first place. Chairperson, if we need transformation, then we need to start our transformation at Palapala. Further, in addition to the TERS submissions received, we also received 39 TERS-related submissions related to unemployment benefit claims and seven submissions related to maternity claims, which we referred to the UIF. 
To date, only 60% of submissions received had been responded to by the UIF. The committee responded that the UIF responds to the remaining claimants and submits a report updating the committee on its progress by 25 August 2021. To date, no progress reports have been received from the UIF on the unresolved matter. And since the start of this process on 12 June, it is already more than one year later with no response to some of those claimants. In this regard, it is critical that the NCOP takes up the matter of the challenges identified through the TERS public participation process, such as proper engagement with employer associations and the private sector, IT system and administrative failures, the lack of a compliance from employers in respect of UIF-related matters, the lack of monitoring and evaluation capacity, and the lack of security and enforcement capacity within the UIF and the Department of Employment and Labour. While our Department of Economic Development and Tourism, as well as the Provincial Parliament, attempts to assist as many claimants as possible, this is a mandate that should be fulfilled by the National Department. The report recommended unannounced oversight visits to Labour offices that SARS assists various government departments, including the UIF and the Department of Employment and Labour, to automate their systems and data, as they have done with the Department of Trade, Industry and Competition through websites such as SIPS. This 81-page report of our committee, which was unanimously adopted within the Western Cape, was then 80 seed on 14 February 2022. We hope that the Department of Employment and Labour will take the plight of the people in the Western Cape seriously, because at the current rate, I fear this department will have to rename itself to the Department of Unemployment and Leisure. Chairperson, I thank you. Thanks very much, Honourable Member. Uh, the next speaker is Honourable Tango, ANC, Honorable Tango. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Chairperson. Um, speaker, Deputy Speaker, Minister, Deputy Minister, all MECs present, all members present, all special delegates present. The 16th of June reminds us that we achieved freedom through struggle, determination, and that great sacrifice by millions of people. It is the resilience against oppressive, colonial and apartheid government policies, such as the past laws designed to segregate and dehumanize the majority of, South, of the South African population. The constitution and transformative policies that were initiated by the ANC government have undeniably created a better living and working condition for the working class of our country. The Bill of Rights makes provisions under Section 23 for the right to fair labor practices, unionization, and collective bargaining, amongst other rights. Much has been done particularly to rectify the injustices of the past through various policy interventions, particularly as it relates to employment and labor, but the economic crisis that has been further exacerbated by the global COVID-19 pandemic, the increasing fuel and food prices has left many households in a vulnerable condition. Evidence shows <clears throat> that we have a serious challenge of unemployment in the country and that the youth and women bear the brunt of it. The government through its economic reconstruction yeah, is there a problem? Mute. Sorry, uh, Honorable Tango, you can continue. The government 
through its economic reconstruction and recovery plan, is clear that the nature of the crisis requires immediate intervention in the form of more direct investment in employment creation through public employment programs and related measures that are able to create a large number of jobs in the shorter term. We welcome the 100 million billion earmark for job creation and retention, which is part of the employment stimulus based primarily on the direct public investment in employment to counteract the anticipated job losses. The stimulus will enable the generation and creation of a million jobs in the medium term, a provision of allocation of 19.6 billion was made in the special adjustment budget for this purpose. Our economic reconstruction recovery plan lays a firm foundation for recovery and creating a stronger and more resilient economy. There are positive signs that the recovery will include one, low but positive growth rate of 1.19% in the first quarter of 2022. A drop in the number of unemployed people in the first quarter of this year that translates to 370,000 jobs created. There is a consistent recovery across most of the major sectors of the economy, such as manufacturing, trade, utilities, finance, personal services, mining, and agriculture. The current period calls for a hands-on deck, all of us. We are going to through a critical stage of building a South African state that is capable of giving hope to our people that the economy is becoming more inclusive. Our only hope is that as a nation, we need to come together collectively between ourselves and maybe we need a social compact in this parliament to ensure that we put our positive messages to investors and not negative messages to investors to chase them away. This is what the social the, the president calls a social compact. We need these social compacts not only at a national level, but also in the provinces and the municipalities. We are encouraged by the mass employment and skills development initiatives that we have seen through the presidential youth stimulus. We welcome the opportunities that have been provided through the stimulus program. Many of the beneficiaries have been placed across many sectors, such as education, uh, home affairs, the police, and uh, police firms, um, amongst others. Sorry about that. My apologies. The Social Employment Fund will also gear, uh, uh, create 50,000 new work opportunities, while the revitalized National Youth Service will create a further 50,000 jobs for unemployed young people performing acts of services throughout the country. Over the medium term, we note that the Department of Employment and Labor has committed to focusing on providing support to work seekers, increasing safety and fairness in the workplace and regulating the workplace to establish minimum fair working conditions and fair labor practices. This gives an impact, impetus to the additional allocation of 120 million over the METF period to the Commission 
for Conciliation, Mediation, and Arbitration, CCMA. In the light of increasing caseloads, we hope that this allocation will enhance the work of the CCMA and also ensures that cases are attended to within the reasonable framework, timeframes. The CCMA remains a key institution of national importance. It has protected livelihoods and preserved many people's jobs over the years. The CCMA job saving strategy known as the holistic approach in dealing with large scale retrenchments, what we, what we call section 189A, ensures that all avenues are exploited at the early stage to mitigate job losses. This is particularly helpful in an environment where certain employers have been quick to invoke Section 189A, <clears throat> excuse me, of the Labor Relations Act. The CCMA has contributed immensely to reducing the number of job losses for employees facing retrenchment occasioned by COVID-19. These are the job losses widely known as no-fault dismissals in the South African context. Loss of job, the loss of one job is one too many. During 2021-22 financial year, the CCMA recorded a total of 3,938 small-scale retrenchment activity, which mirrored the trend in large-scale retrenchments. I am my apologies for that, Chairperson, and somewhere else. The ANC government is committed to prioritizing the, the, the creation of jobs, not any jobs, but decent jobs. This was an acknowledgement that too many people are without decent jobs, and especially women and the youth are drawn. Into should be drawn into decent employment and self-employment. Much work still needs to be done to promote the decent work agenda. For its part, the department's budget vote commits to a, reg to a register of 2.7 million people. Um, we must welcome the efforts to ensure that people who are geographically located in rural parts of our land are not excluded as the department will set up nine mobile employment youth centers across the country over the medium term. Another important component, another important component of the work of the department is regulating the workplace. To this end, we are looking forward to an annual review of the national minimum wage, including the development of monitoring mechanisms to measure In conclusion, Chairperson and Honorable Members, the support for Vote 31 is not really about turning a blind eye to the persistent challenges of poverty, unemployment, and inequality. Chairperson, I am uh, truly sorry for that. I apologize. Um, black black woman-owned e-waste businesses were supported with skills development essential to combating youth unemployment. The software development enterprises were supported to provide marginalized communities with access to electronic 
repair services and encourage entrepreneurship to two centers that were launched. The Department of Employment and Labor and its entities must play a critical role in defining its expanded mandate job of job creation in a practical way. It must facilitate collaboration efforts among government departments and social partners to create jobs in all sectors. The Compensation Fund has over the past years encountered a number of challenges, one of them being inefficient IT systems to address this. The fund commissioned a nuclear claims management system called CompEasy October 2019. The fund started to realize the benefits that came with the new system, which include improved controls, efficient processing of claims, the result that resulted in the reduction of long processes taken to adjudicate claims and further address the issues of backlogs. Presently, the fund is also able to clear the high rate of litigations over years. For the financial year 2021-22, over 100,000 claims were registered, were registered with 79% being adjudicated within 30 days. Progress that has been made in the compensation fund is truly remarkable, and we would like to see much of this in other entities, such as the UIF as well. Chairperson, just to return to the question of the Institute of Race Relations. The Institute of Race Relations have now become a neoliberal champion, championing the neoliberal world and um, against the question of state and uh, intervention and does not in fact encourage state intervention in any way. Um, also that the, the, the bill that, that is being spoken about speaks about targets and not quotas and I think we should just bear that in mind. Also, if we are saying that investment is important, then we need a social compact within this parliament to ensure that we are in such a way that we do not chase away um, investors by negative approaches. To honest, uh, to Honorable Apilene, I want to say, we need a more positive outlook, a vision of hope, a social compact for the youth together so that we can take this forward. By being negative, uh, um, about this all the time, we're not going to achieve the, the targets or the vision of creating jobs, of creating employment, and of creating opportunities for young people and women. To Honorable Bartman, of course, you have a constitution in the Western Cape. Um, the constitution uh, is developed for a particular reason there, and it was developed for a particular reason. But also what we have to look at is the condition of farm workers, particularly in the Western Cape, has uh, the legislature, has the executive in the Western Cape looked at addressing the, the difficulties that farm workers live under, the, the difficulties that farm workers actually experience in the workplace. And with that, I want to thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. Also, my apologies for the, for the disturbances. I did not intend that. It is somewhere else around me. And... Uh, we support this particular uh, budget. Thank you very much. 
Thanks very much, Honorable Django. Uh, the next speaker is Honorable DM Rute. It's proud to sit. Thank yes, you, Honorable. Honorable member. Honorable Deputy Chairperson. <clears throat> Honorable Minister, Honorable yeah, members. Can I continue, Honourable Chairperson? Well, let me start again. Honourable yes, Chairperson. Yes, Honourable Member, you can start. And we struggled with the surname, the house descended in chaos. Chairperson, may I continue? Yes, continue. They are disturbing you. You are protected. Yes, thank you. Yes. Thank you. I hope I hope my uh, time starts from now. Uh, honourable Chairperson, Honourable Minister, Honourable Members, fellow South Africans, I uh, I believe that maybe 1652 was trying to get hold of Honourable Dangle because it was very upset that he didn't mention that in his speech. But anyway, back to the business of the day, Honourable Chairperson. When considering this debate today, I'm reminded of a question that I'm frequently asked. That is, what is the job? the duty of government. Others may reply in an incredibly complex fashion detailing each department and the minutiae of their work. I prefer to keep it simple. The job, the duty, the compact of any government that it has with its citizens is to create an environment conducive to success. I will repeat, to create an environment conducive for success. Any department, any annual performance plan or any budgets should be held to account against the standard. Is everything a department plans or executes? Is there a striving to create an environment conducive to success? The failure will to, to do so will result in skewed priorities, a lack of focus, and a legion of bureaucrats desperately scurrying around, trying to look busy, but not achieving much. This reality brings us to neatly to the Department of Employment and Labor. To the uninitiated, consideration of the department's title could lead to the belief that this department creates employment. That assumption is unfortunately far from the truth. The minister said lots of nice things here today, but the reality is that 35% or 12 million working age South Africans are not employed, period. This department does little to create any employment save for the bureaucrats it employs, but focuses more on policing employees and their employers. And that is about it. All of this is right there in the APP. The first 37 slides of the presentation to our committee details all the plans to regulate and enforce bureaucratic measures to ensure that everyone plays by the rules. It is only on slide 38 of 62 that it gets down to the nitty gritty of the problem. The report bemoans the fact that 850,000 work seekers have registered with the department, but that only 105,000 work opportunities have been listed. And of those work opportunities, only 55,000 have been filled. It also states, as if to reassure, reassure the committee, that 240,000 of the work seekers have been counseled. Well, it is oblivious to the fact that counseling does not put food on the table. In simple terms, only 6.4% of those who approached the department were actually linked to a job. That is a failure 
to create a conducive environment for success. The APP conveniently ignores the first two constitutional mandates it lists in its own document. Section 9, equal access to opportunities. And Section 18, freedom of association. But it forgets all about that and focuses only on labor law enforcement. To illustrate this, to illustrate this, the slide that deals with inspectors on the level of enforcement is on slide 18 of the APP, trumpeting the levels of enforcement. Before concentration, some 20 slides later, on the actual state of affairs, which I've pointed out above. This is also borne out by the budget allocations. Of the 3.9 billion allocated to this department, 1 billion will be spent on administration, 650 million will be spent on enforcement, and 1.3 billion spent on labor relations. But what, but what of the actual job of the department? What of creating an environment conducive to success as measured by increased unemployment? Sadly, there's little if no mention to this. There are vague references to working with stakeholders, but nothing concrete. There is no reference to working with small business to enable deregulation to stimulate growth of that market and the resultant benefits in employment. There is no talk of working with finance to reduce taxes on small businesses to stimulate development. There is also no identification of growth sectors that could be encouraged to grow to create an employment. We only see red tape and enforcement. We only see the stick and no carrot. Honorable Chairperson, in conclusion, to provide an example of how the department should work, I'd like to talk about an example in the city of Cape Town. The city of Cape Town identified call centers as a growth industry to rival India and Indonesia. They then did the next important step. They approached the industry and asked how they could assist. Training was identified as a problem. And so the city of Cape Town repurposed the training college and trained up 500 call center agents at the city's cost. These new trained recruits were then eagerly accepted into the call center industry. The result of that, Chairperson, if you live in Scotland today and if you have a problem with your energy bill and you pick up the phone to complain, you will speak to a call center in Cape Town, a call center agent in Cape Town to sort it out, one of those trained recruits. Minister, this is a small example of what is possible. Take the blinkers off. Despite all your promises and the, and, the, and the nice things you promised in your speech, we've still got 12 million people without work. Stop being the Department of Labor Enforcement and make employment your focus again. I thank you. Thanks very much, Honorable Member. The next speaker is Honorable Debrain, FF Plus. Honorable Debrain. Honorable Debrain. It seems a uh, Honorable Debrain is not in Siakuba. I'll call the next speaker, Honorable LL Njalinjali Mpumalanga MEC, Social Development. Honorable Njalinjali. No, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair. Let me greet your good selves in the house and also the Chair of the NCOP, 
trying to ask. The Deputy Chairperson of the NCOP, the Minister of Labor, Employment and Labor, the Deputy Minister of Employment and Labor, the Chairperson and members of the Portfolio Committee of Employment and Labor, MSs present, Honorable Chief Whip of NCOP, Honorable Members, members of the media, ladies and gentlemen. Honorable Chairperson, I want to begin by just re-emphasizing that understanding of the strategic nature of the Department of Employment and Labor, as while the labor market was not that much regulated, working conditions of majority black workers were appealing, job reservations was at the helm in the workplaces. It is against this backdrop that the department was established in this form mandated to create condition conducive for creation of decent jobs, ensuring that there is workplace democracy and safety, equity, as well as transformation. Honorable Chairperson, where I am standing, we all observe the rampant and unprecedented high unemployment levels. Obstinate, persistent apartheid inequality fault lines. We are aware that the unemployment is caused by a number of internal and external factors beyond our control. But it does, but is that the meaning that we cannot create or create employment? The fact is on our activist state, which is required to intervene and turn the situation to positivity. Honorable Chairperson, having said so, a question that is, is, is begging for answers is, how is the department's fares in regard in terms of promotion of your equality at workplace? Is Employment Equity Act yielding intended consequences? It seems like not. It is the workplace transformation agenda on equality that includes and ensuring that equity is not just restricted on employment only but also ensuring access by black entrepreneurs in private business, value chains, or ecosystem. Legislation should be developed to encapsulate the latter in regards to formulated some of our targets to be included in the plans. Honorable Chair, the Department of Employment and Labor thought through its training of unemployment program projects, career counseling, it is age, not to only focus on getting employment outcomes, but also train youth in entrepreneurial competences and link them with the employer's business value chains, thus becoming employers themselves. This approach will go a long way, each department contributing to address the impact of poverty, inequality, and unemployment on the youth in particular through participation amongst other in the social economy. In pursuit for leveraging programs for intensifying the employment mandate, the Employment and Labor Department should indeed look into what kind of skills the CITAS are providing for the youth persons in our country. It is imperative that we don't just train, but should train to avoid skills mismatch in the labor market. Ideally, the state-owned companies should be the ones that are in the forefront 
in affording the young people and to practice because profit-driven businesses have not desire or will never embrace this idea. The department should also consider that to drive the public and private partnership or companies to deliberate and have graduate uh, development programs similar to leadership so that the graduates could have a fair chance of accessing employment opportunities. Honorable Chair, the issue of equal work, equal pay, and non-affirmative of Blacks and women in senior position remains an illusion in our country. Black executives are toiled and flushed out of the system like nobody's business. Now the question is, what is the department doing to ensure improvement and the status quo? Serious and deliberate in terms of the measures that are needed or required or otherwise, the Employment Equity Act becomes irrelevant. Worse now, we got the skills to scale things up in transforming the workplace to ensure that young blood is also affirmed in senior leadership position in the both private and public sector. Honorable Chair, the policy debate takes place on the day preceding the Youth Day celebrations tomorrow, 16 June 2022, a day which 1976 youth, youth took to the street resisting instituting the strict compulsory use of Africans as a medium of instruction at school. The youth did that fully aware that education is indispensable and critical for their personal development, a development that is enabled, that enables them to become employable, self-employed or being entrepreneurs. Therefore, this employment and labor policy debate on budget wouldn't have come in an appropriate time. That is one, uh, the youth month. Honorable Chairperson, youth population in our province and in our country in general has grown and the country is getting younger and younger. Our youth are faced with a paradox and the paradox of plenty, a country with plenty of resources like your minerals and other, and on the other hand, Plenty of them are unemployed, notably structural unemployment, high levels of poverty, and most unequal society in the world. You'd find themselves being the worst affected by these paradoxes. The recent statistical survey indicates that unemployment level in the country is standing at 34.5%, which the youth between the ages of 15 to 24 on the first quarter of 2021 was at 32.4 compared to the quarter one of 2022, which now was standing at 37%. In the 15 to 34 years category, the number of unemployment was quarter one of 2021 at 43.6, vis-a-vis of quarter one of 2022, where we sitting at 46.3. Honorable Chair, the Ukraine and Russia conflict this might affect our economy and most pertinent to our livelihoods. Food are becoming expensive. Your fuel is going up. Your food items like your fish oil is going up. And that causes a soar towards contributing to ever high poverty levels in our society and youth are dearly affected. So on that, on the high unemployment to have a devastating consequences for social fabric of our society. 
which the most affected are young people. Speak about loss of self-confidence, overindulgence in drugs, alcohol, gender-based violence, gangsterism, etc. We all need to invest in our future and our future baswa give up With that, we support the budget and I thank you. Malibongwe. Malibongwe, Malibongwe, MEC. Thanks very much, Honorable Charlie Charlie. Laila, Now, all right. Honorable Dikilid. Order. Okay, thanks very much, uh, Honorable and Charlie Charlie. I'll now call a uh, Honorable N. Hatebe. Inkata Freedom Party. Kungani. Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Minister, the grim reality of a national unemployment rate of 35.3% and that over 7.6 million South Africans are looking for work. One would think with this exorbitant figure, government would call into urgent action to create sustainable job opportunities. We have been presented with false hope in the short-term job opportunities that expire in a short period, leaving people without work in just a few months. Our fellow people that are starving of hunger and have been abandoned by a government that continues to fail to deliver on its constitutional mandate. The department recently published a draft national labor migration policy and employment services amendment bill amending the employment of foreign nationals for public comment, it becomes clear on consideration of the labor migration policy, which is described as a policy framework that will guide labor migration impacting on South Africa. How little effort has been made since the dawn of democracy to address the reality of labor migration. It is only now that the government has decided to actively investigate this aspect and to ensure a coordinated government response to inform policy and prospective legislation. The reality is that there is a strong growing sentiment that foreign nationals are being employed over and above South African, over and above South Africans in jobs that do not demand critical or scarce skills. Government is to blame in its non-action to action employment restriction on foreign labor in sectors that provide the sustenance to our people. The IFP has heard the cries of young people, of our young people. We have listened to our youth who, despite a metric, cannot find any work and do not have access to decent work. The IFP in the past two years has taken the lead and prepared a private member's bill proposing to amend the Employment Services Act to regulate the, the to regulate the recruitment of foreign nationals in certain economic sectors, and to strengthen the current regulatory the regulatory framework regarding the recruitment of such nationals. On further consideration of the department's latest annual performance plan and budget, the IFP strongly endorses the portfolio committee's recommendations that plans to re review the organizational structure of the unemployment insurance fund must urgently be attended to. 
in order to improve its efficiency. The backlog at the fund and the slow progress in accessing claims has been shocking, and the fund has been plugged by irregular and wasteful expenditure, as pointed out by the Auditor General. The IFP will carefully monitor progress reports on the organizational restructuring of the fund, which serves a critical purpose. Honorable Chairperson, lastly, with the above, the IFP accepts the budget votes. I thank you. Thanks very much, Honorable Member. And the next speaker is Honorable JJ Lords, DA. Honorable JJ. Thank you, um, Honorable House Chair, Honorable Minister, and Honorable Members. Firstly, if ever there was a solid, solid example and argument as to why we should go back to in-person meetings, it is when Honorable Dango struggled to put his phone on silent. Now, I know technology is a struggle for our ANC colleagues, but if we were in-person meetings, any one of the other people in the house that's not in the ANC would have been able to put your phone on silent and you would have been able to deliver your speech without any interruption. But to get back to the speeches of the colleagues, it is exhausting and it is frustrating to hear how every single ANC cadre blames COVID-19 for the legacy left by years of mismanagement and incompetence by your party. We are experiencing one of the worst unemployment rates in the world, not due to a pandemic, but due to policy uncertainty and a few select cadres that steal money for their own enrichment instead of it going to where it's needed, stimulating our economy that will help create more taxpayers and less dependence. There is, however, a very simple and easy first step, Honorable Minister, that will probably make you come back in a year and your numbers would look much better. And I'm going to quote from the Western Cape Premier. He said, it's time that we do away with all COVID-19 restric restrictions on mask wearing and gatherings. In practice, this means that we need to allow congregations, convention centers, stadiums, and other once again while we continue to safely navigate life. By doing away with these restrictions, we will enable businesses to operate at full capacity and grow. Residents should be able to practice, should be allowed to practice the necessary behavior that they deem fit and that they have learned throughout the pandemic. We can't hear. Wait, Honorable Chair, can you hear me now? Yes, I hear you, sir. Okay, so that is the second and example. Member. That is the second example in practice as to why we should go back to in-person meetings in the House, because the incompetence of the government in ensuring that there is constant electricity supply that it won't interrupt our networks is now in practice. 
but can Jay, can you just give me an indication of my time left, please? One minute remaining. Uh, honorable member, you have one minute remaining. Okay, we're not supposed to be penalized when load shedding affects us, but let me uh, continue. Honorable Minister, you and okay. your colleagues in the cabinet treat South Africans as inferior citizens, inferior in status and intellect. By scrapping any and all remaining restrictions, you will give the real economic drivers the opportunity to do what they are good at. We are in the middle of youth month with a national youth unemployment rate now over 42% for those aged between 25 and 34. It seems the older this cabinet gets, the higher the youth unemployment rate climbs. Maybe it is because this cabinet is incapable of tearing their gaze away from the past and from their growing loot-filled bank accounts. But in conclusion, I have something for the 15 to 24-year-olds to remember, you Honorable Minister, and probably you might remember this as well every morning you wake up. Every single day that those aged between 15 and 24 cannot find a job, just look at the age of this minister, for it seems that the youth unemployment rate is linked to him in more ways than we expected. Honorable Minister is now 63 years old, and the unemployment rate for this age bracket is over 63. Come 2024, the unemployment rate in this bracket will probably be 65%, with only one cure. We need to get rid of this aging dinosaur, this green, yellow, and black dinosaur that has taken the country to its knees. Because if you cannot find a job, go and register and let us allow this last green, gold, and yellow dinosaur to go extinct. I thank you. Thanks very much, Honorable Member. The next speaker is Honorable Mimang, ANC. Honorable Mimang. Thank you, thank you, Chair. Uh, allow me on behalf of the African National Congress uh, to express gratitude to the opportunity given to me to take part in the debate. And also uh, allow me to pay due recognition to the national leadership of the House led by Ntadimas Wondo, the Deputy Chair, and also our two House Chairs and our Chief Whip. Greetings to the uh, Honorable uh, colleagues and also our special delegates. Uh, the African National Congress uh, Honorable House Chair support about 31 uh, implemented labor precisely because of its uh, commitment to deal with the challenges that uh, is confronting our women, our youth, and also persons with disabilities precisely by virtue of the fact that uh, in our policy, there is an appreciation that it, they are the most disadvantaged groups in the country. And indeed, these groups are also dis discriminated against on the basis of social norms and prejudice. The young people are the most affected by a lack of employment opportunities in South Africa. And while youth unemployment is a global phenomenon, we have uh, among the worst joblessness rates for young people globally. Honorable House Chair, statistics reveals that in South Africa, the labor market is more favorable to men than women. Uh, and equal opportunity and equal treatment at work are at the core of decent work. 
But according to Statistics South Africa, men are more likely to be in paid employment than women, regardless of race. The proportion of men in employment is higher than that of women, and generally, the unemployment rate amongst women is higher than that of their male counterparts. And persons with disabilities are worse off when it comes to discrimination in employment. This is due to a number of factors such as discrimination, attitudes, inaccessibility, the working environment, and lower wages. Honorable House Chair, there is discrimination within the disability spectrum as persons with sight-orientated disabilities and higher compared to persons with other disabilities. These are the realities that are of concern to the Department of Employment and Labor as it develops regulations of the workplace and transforming workplaces so that they are accessible to all South African workers, regardless of race, age, or disabilities. House Chair, we acknowledge that the public sector has put various measures in place to tackle discrimination in employment practice, such as providing opportunities, targeting women, young people, and persons with disabilities. Indeed, House Chair, the private sector, on the other hand, is still lagging behind on this aspect. In recent months, House Chair, we have witnessed the emergence of vigilante groups targeting foreign, foreign nationals employed in some business, particularly in townships around Houting and other provinces. The truth, House Chair, is that some employers are exploiting the lack of a clearly articulated policy framework in the management of the labor migration in such a manner that generates anger, creates tension, and causes conflict in the society. We therefore find it pleasing that the department is developing the national labor migration policy. We see this national labor migration policy as an intervention to mitigate the inadequacy of policy framework that ought to be aiding the country to tackle matters that relate to labor migration. Honorable House Chair, South Africans have their own legitimate expectations and aspirations in the labor market. The practices that South Africans witness in the labor migration space give them the idea that their own interests, expectations, and aspirations in the labor market are relegated to the backyard. Therefore, the National Labor Migration Policy House Chair aims to harmonize an environment that is rapidly becoming emotive. Hence, we support this budget. South Africans see what they expect as their share from the domestic labor market being usurped by others. And in some instances, they take it upon themselves and deal with the situation. Unfortunately, House Chair, most of the time, this is not in the manner that enhances social cohesion, but where us and them attitudes prevail. It is absolutely necessary to come up with the policy framework, the purpose of which is to contribute towards concrete solutions to these challenges we hope that is what the National Migration Policy aims to achieve. We have noted that the department has been holding 
public consultations throughout the country on this neighbor, national labor migration policy, and that it planned to complete that process soon in order for the NETLEG consultation to kick in. House Chair, we sincerely believe that public submission must be sought and be looked at, and that advice must be sought when provided, be seriously considered. So the process of developing this national labor migration policy, which is already underway, as I have already outlined, must be carefully, cautiously developed so that it avoids unintended consequences. It is important, House Chair, to set aside sufficient time for this process. Yes, agencies of the essence, but we must not pay lip service to consultation because government must genuinely consult and properly communicate on this particular policy format up until a concrete product is in place. Honorable House Chair, we appreciate the fact that the Department of Employment and Labor has entities that are very central to the transformation of our country. And amongst them is the CCMA that was raised by the uh, Honorable Minister. We note that during the 2021-22 financial year, the CCMA had 99.8% of concealable cases within 30 days at first event. We also appreciate that 99.95% arbitration hours rendered were sent to parties within 14 days of the conclusion of the arbitration proceedings. And this must be appreciated, House Chair. We also know that a total of eight collective bargaining support process were conducted for strategically identified users. The CCMA conducted five pre-collective bargaining conference for strategically identified users. And this is quite important, Chair, so that it is able to mitigate the uh, challenges of industrial action. The COVID-19 pandemic and accompanying lockdown regulations provided the CCMA with the opportunity to introduce new streams of digital offerings. And during the period from 30 July 2020 to 26 April 2022, the CCMA received 29,566 referrals through its digital platform, and this must be commended. Honorable House Chair, the key focus of the CCMAs outlined by the Minister on dispute resolution must be to improve its services to the labor market aimed at supporting and strengthening collective bargaining to advance labor market stability, economic development, and prioritizing employment security. We are therefore happy that the CCMA continues to provide guidance and support in collective bargaining matters by undertaking key strategic and operational initiatives that are proactive, innovative, and able to adapt to the needs of the labor market. In doing so, the CCMA improves collective bargaining and promotes orderly and healthy labor dispute. Honorable House Chair, the float pay state of employee well-being barometer 2022 launched two weeks ago, measured and analyzed the experiences of a sample of South Africa's working population. It showed that in South Africa, losses in productivity equated to, is equated to 128 million days, which account to 38 billion or around 2% of the country's GDP. So therefore, one of the entities, product South Africa, must 
enhance its role of promoting employment, growth and productivity and contributing to, so, so, to South Africa's socioeconomic development and competitiveness. Productivity South Africa must help to drive national productivity strategy. And as a country, we need to promote a culture of productivity in the workplace, maintain a database of productivity and competitiveness systems and publicize them and undertake productivity related research on an ongoing basis. Honorable House Chair, among the challenges that we have to confront is the issues around UIF. Of course, we appreciate the fact that the, United, the Unemployment Insurance Fund achieved some unprecedented feats in our fight to save lives and livelihoods during the worst outbreaks of the COVID-19 pandemic. We must praise the ingenuity of the UIF for finding innovative ways to support millions of workers and hundreds of thousands of companies in distress. However, we condemn those who abused this period to line their pockets with UIF funds, including government officials who collaborated with syndicates to fleece coffers of the fund. We congratulate the Hawks and other law enforcement agencies for apprehending many suspects and recovering and returning to the state millions of stolen public funds. The UIFs follow the money processes led by the minister, which entails auditing all COVID-19 payments, has added to the capability of government and must be replicated in other entities that award grants and loans to companies. We therefore call on the department to get to the bottom of the scandalous reports of UIF monies that have been lost owing to questionable investments involving the PIC in a number of companies. We commend the department for the work it has done so far in this regard. And I think, Honorable House Chair, it is important uh, that we also uh, highlight to my colleagues in the opposition benches that uh, the ANC is not unlike them. The ANC is unlike them. Uh, they are the ones that are occupying an unenviable political space from which there is no route to a route of escape. Chair, uh, we must remind uh, them that uh, the real challenge that they are facing is the challenge that has always confronted liberalism in South Africa's racially structured society. To us, liberalism has never been able to detach itself from its image among Blacks that it is a cover for white interest and white leadership. They must just ask what happened to Lindue Masibuko, Musima Imani, Patricia Dilili. And recently they have contracted the executive of Johannesburg. 
black people who all achieve leadership position within the DA were all undermined by a bedroom of white leadership cabal. The cabal allegedly wanted to control them as puppets on a string. So Narul Bartman must be careful. Step aside. Important that they appreciate the fact that the reason why they are not supporting employment equity bill is because they are afraid to lose their right wing base that they are contesting with other right wing political parties. But unfortunately, they are also in a dilemma because Mashaba is eating their base. Honorable House Chair, the ANC support this vote, state one of employment and labor. Thank you. Thanks very much, Honorable Mima. I'll now call Honorable T.W. Nessi, Minister of Employment and Labor. Honorable Nessie. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. <laughs> I hope we have added my few minutes, which I saved for my first input. I want to, I thank the members and the colleagues who have supported this particular budget. And uh, we always take the parliament very seriously in terms of their input. And uh, we take this as constructive debate whenever they are pointing out to the weaknesses which we have to deal with. But I must indicate to a person that I have no time to respond to the far right and ultra left thinking like in the EFF, which is illogical, unsound and unreasonable. We also all know that circumstances beyond our control have led to the situation and this massive high unemployment we're talking about. You know that uh, the unemployment in this country is structural. The reason why the majority of the people who are in poverty are unemployed, and uh, it's, it's the black people. That thing, it's structural as designed by apartheid, given the skills which were given. And all of a sudden, you want to come and make yourselves better here today. Also, how do you want to heal the divisions of the past if you reject positive discrimination, which is there in subsection four of the constitution, I mean, section nine, subsection four of the constitution, which refers to both unfair and fair discrimination and international literature covers this matter of the fair discrimination very well. You better consult that international literature. And it covers it very extensively. Do not be trapped in the old apartheid privileges. I do not know what we should take from you, SGA. On one hand, you are calling for the decreased workers' rights by calling for the repeal of the labor legislation because you are saying it's a constraint to, to business. But on the other, you are also talking that the CCMA should get more money whilst you are anti-labor rights. 
CCMA is there to promote the labor rights of the workers. What is the job and the duty of government? You know that it is to create an environment for conducive uh, to success. That's what you are arguing. Yes, we agree, but it doesn't end there. You know that government, we have unveiled a program and it's a huge program of economic reconstruction and recovery plan, which aims to build the new economy and unleash South Africa's true potential and central pillars of this particular uh, economic reconstruction um, and, and recovery plan. We're talking energy security, hence we are focusing on the power generation capacity. We're talking infrastructure. We're talking transport and road infrastructure. We're talking employment stimulus, focusing on mass social employment. And we're talking about employment-oriented strategy uh, when we're dealing with industrialization and localization. We're talking about support of tourism, excuse me, tourism recovery and, and, and growth. The green economy intervention, strengthening agriculture and food security, macroeconomic interventions. We know very well that the logic is for you to be able to be successful, to create employment, you need investment. And if you don't have investment, you never have that stability. And the government is clear that it has a role of providing legal and social framework and to maintain also the competition, provide public goods and services. Public goods and services must be given by the government. Redistribute income and correct the externalities and stabilize the economy. It is an established principle, even in the liberal economic theory, that government intervenes in the market failure. That is the basics of economics. Unemployment and inequality are as a result of both race and class issues. These are class issues in, in South Africa. This is because of the race uh, policies of the past. That's what we are seated with. Can you explain why the, 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 the flooding in the Western Cape is hitting more of the, the townships? Can you explain that? Why is it not hitting the white areas? What is the source of that? Who recruits cheap labor from Lesotho and Zimbabwe in Robertson and Torrance, neglecting the South Africans who are unemployed because you want to exploit the desperate economic refugees knowing that they will take anything in order, they will take anything in order to feed themselves. The problem we are having in South Africa is unrepentant racist who want to protect the old apartheid and treat black South Africans as slaves. And the ANC were not going to allow it. We are continuing with our transformation project. Thank you. Corruption project. Thanks very much. Thanks very much, Honorable uh, Minister. Honorable members. I would like uh, to thank and conclude the debate. I wish to thank the minister, deputy minister, MEC, and all who participate in the debate. Honorable members, now we are going to proceed to the subject for the debate, debate on Youth Day, promoting sustainable 
livelihoods and, re and resilience of young people in South Africa for a better tomorrow. Honorable members, I'll now call the Honorable S.E. Lucas, Deputy Chairperson of the National Council of Provinces to open the debate. Honorable member, Honorable S.E. Lucas, can you please come in? Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. Let me acknowledge the Chairperson of the National Council of Provinces, the House Chairpersons, the Chief Whip of the Majority Party or the Chief Whip of the House, and other whips, ministers and deputy ministers present, MECs, the permanent and special delegates, ladies and gentlemen, and particularly the young people of South Africa. I told the Chairperson before that I want to put a disclaimer before I start with this debate. And the disclaimer is as follows. It is, not, uh, it is not by design that those of us, some of us that will be participating in this debate are recycled young people. It is unfortunately the makeup of the National Council of Provinces. I am honored to be able to open this debate and this uh, commemoration of Youth Day 2022 under the theme promoting, promoting sustainable livelihoods and resilience of young people in South Africa for a better tomorrow. I did it deliberately. Oh, I want to open my address with the wise words of Rigoberta Menchu when he said, then I quote, peace cannot exist without justice. Justice cannot exist without fairness. Fairness cannot exist without development. Development cannot exist without democracy. Democracy cannot exist without respect for the identity and worth of cultures and peoples, close quote. Honorable Chairperson, today we are engaging in a very important debate, which demands outright fairness and truthful introspection, particularly as we seek to build a vibrant developmental democracy with South Africa's young people as active participants. We have to take into consideration South Africa's current developmental context, which continues to disproportionately impact on the young people of South Africa. Honorable members, according to Stats SA, youth in South Africa continue to be disadvantaged in the labor market with an unemployment rate higher than the national average. According to the quarterly labor force survey for the first quarter of 2022, the unemployment rate was 63.9% for those aged 15 to 24 and 42.1% for those aged 25 to 34 years, while the current official national rate stands at 34.5%. Although the graduate unemployment rate remains relatively low in South Africa, compared to those of other educational levels, unemployment among the youth continues to be a burden irrespective of educational, educational attainment. Year on year, the unemployment rate among young graduates uh, declined from 40.3% to 32.6%, while it increased by 6.8% points to 22.4% for those aged 25 to 34 years in quarter one of 2022. These realities impede our ability to create an inclusive social and economic society where the youth are able to participate more effectively. 
The COVID-19 pandemic has exacerbated the vulnerabilities of youth workers and has meant an extended, more onerous transition to decent employment for young people. These are issues of fundamental importance in our country today as it impacts the ability of our nation to benefit more effectively from the innovation, energy, and ideas of our youth. As we have gathered in this manner today, we understand that now is the time for us to chart a new path forward towards true freedom and true justice. It is incumbent upon us today to ensure that youth emancipation is not a dis, uh, distant dream embedded in our constitutional manuscript without tangible material changes in our people's quality of life. The outcome of our struggle for economic freedom is therefore in our own ideas, our own struggles and solidarity which South Africa's youth must grapple with and employ every effort to transform. Achbare lede, in die geschiedenis van Zuid-Afrika, a geschiedenis van bloed en strijd, was die jeeg die meerderheid wat moest leie in die strijd na vrijheid, tijdens die apartheidsjare en onder een genadeloos regime, het die jong mense letterlik, en is die jong mense letterlik en doelbewis weerhou van hulle vrijheid, dier een stelsel wat zwart mense in boeie gehou het, in hulle eie geboorteland. Dit is hier die nalatenskap van apartheid, wat ons met moed uitroei, wat die wortels daarvan is, want die wortels daarvan is steeds diep geanker in elke aspect van ons samenleving. In 1976 was het jong, zwart mense, zwart jong mense, wat besluit het, dat genoeg is genoeg, en dat hulle wil beklui, vir hulle eie vreed, en dat hulle vreed wil sien, binnen hulle eie leeftijd. Vandag, herinder die geschiedenis ons nog steeds daar aan, dat voor demokraties, voor het onze democratische bestel in Zuid-Afrika gehad het, jeugontwikkeling, binnen een context van politieke, sociale, economische, en kulturele onderdrukking plaasgevind het. This situation, contributed directly to many of the current dilemmas young women and young men face. The context and the remnants of social and economic oppression still persist, with the cyclical nature of poverty and economic exclusion still defining the material conditions of our youth today. Honorable chairs, the youth struggle in this country is one in which there is a symbiotic relationship between the resolution of the antagonism thrown up by national oppression and the fundamental problems of social justice, as well as the fundamental economic deprivation and patriarchy faced by the youth of our nation. Our transition is one process characterized by different faces with different emphases. In this book titled Dying Colonialism, author Franz Fanon states that each generation will approach revolution in the context of their moment in history. Fanon insists that praxis must be rooted in the temporal, but each generation must confront the living reality of its own situation, accept its own call to battle, gather its own weapons, and in the vortex of struggle, from within the collective mutation of popular political empowerment, produce its own truth. But while we do confront each situation, struggling infinity, with its prospects for new secrets to be revealed, and nothingness, which condemns us to absolute responsibility for our choices in the face of the void. We do not step into that situation from nowhere. 
The contribution made by our ancestors in struggle is part of what makes us and provides us with some of our weapons. COVID-19 has meant that the national conversation about the youth has taken a new urgency. The youth and future generations will sustain the bulk of the economic and social consequences of the current global crisis. Overall, the broad ranging effects of the COVID-19 pandemic on the well-being of young people have been severe and drastically inhibited the excess opportunities for support, growth, and development. Effects such as these threaten to worsen inequalities where they exist and diminish the potential of an entire generation. Both COVID-19 and the economic recovery plan provides us with an opportunity to achieve a sustainable economic future that puts South African youth at the center. It provides us with an opportunity of applying a youth and intergenerational lens in crisis response and recovery measures across the public administration. It affords us an opportunity of updating national youth strategies in collaboration with youth stakeholders to translate political commitments into actionable programs. There is an agency that we need partnering with national statistical offices and research institutions institutes to gather disaggregated evidence on the impact of the crisis by age group to track inequalities and inform decision-making. We must also promote age diversity in public consultation and state institutions to reflect the needs and concerns of different age cohorts in decision-making. We must provide targeted policies and services for the most vulnerable youth populations, including young people not in employment, education, or training. Young migrants, homeless youth, and young women, adolescents, and children facing increased risk of domestic violence. And the response that we need to develop must be a response that is actually fit for the purpose. But for the past 25 years, there was a lot of development. It was not just in a vacuum, but it made a difference and it bring a kind of improvement into the lives of our young people. And that, if, that we should define their achievements of the past 25 years objectively and truthfully. This must involve an evidence-based assessment of the political and socioeconomic change in our society today. For the past 25 years, youth development and empowerment has been a key focus of government interventions. The 25-year review report highlights the major achievements in relating to five prioritized strategic focus areas of the 2009 to 2014 and 2015 to 2020 youth policies. When assessing the progress around education, skill and second chance, the intention is to improve access to quality education, which unlocks the potential of young people by building their capacities. South Africa made gains in promoting access to education and training. This is evidence by educational attainment outcomes, which continue to um, improve. Government increased financial support for poor learners, mainly through no-fee schools and the National Student Financial Aid Scheme for deserving students in need. To ensure economic participation and transformation, government implemented several employment programs which primarily targeted young people, including the Community Works Program, the Expanded Public Works Program, and the National Rural Youth Services Corps, and the Youth Employment Service. According to the 25 years report, in terms of entrepreneurship, there has been an increase in youth 
owned businesses. Overall, youth-owned businesses have increased by 7.7%. We as parliament have got a different role. And what is the role that we can play? In advancing and deepening youth development, we will need to strengthen our oversight processes for purposes of improving coordination across the, the spheres of government. Institutional arrangements and mechanisms that pertain to youth development must be improved and given clear objectives and priorities to focus on across all spheres of government. It means that we must be deliberate and consistent in our commitment to create platforms for regular engagement and move away from treating youth development as an event to be celebrated once a year. We have to develop the necessary analytical and methodological tools and mechanisms for monitoring and evaluating the implementation of the youth policy framework. Very important. We must have a multidimensional approach that focuses on all aspects which propel accelerated youth development. In conclusion, in South Africa, the concept of youth development has been shaped by the long history of struggle against apartheid. Throughout our history, young people have been agents of change, drivers of transformation, as a collective conscious, conscience, and have participated actively in the development of a socially inclusive and economically empowering society. The capacity of young people to plan is often underestimated, but with the right environment and space, they show remarkable understanding of the complexity of development challenges and the skill to identify and manage risk. It is this untapped capacity that should be harnessed to drive participatory involvement that is essential for sustainable development. June 16, as the dag, wat ons a fear of herdenk, omdat ons wil praat oor Hector Peterson, omdat ons wil praat oor die feit dat mense nie die recht tot die eie besluit oor wat er taal van onderrug hulle wil hee, wat ons daar oor, dat, dat gaan nie vandag meer daar oor. Dat gaan daar oor. Dat die jeug van vandag is die morgen van Zuid-Afrika. En as ons nie vandag begin om seker te maak, dat die jeug al rechtmatig geplek in die, het ons nie toekomst in hierdie land nie. Ek dankie, achtbare voorzitter. Baie dankie, deputy chair, honorable members, I'll now call honorable F. Mkonyeni, Eastern Cape MEC, Sports Recreation, Art and Culture. MEC. Thank you. Thank you very much, honorable chairperson of the session. Um, greetings to you, greetings to the Honorable Chair of the NCOP, the Deputy Chair, the Presiding Officers in the NCOP, um, Chief Whip of the NCOP, Special Delegates, as well as the Permanent Delegates in the NCOP, the Honorable Ministers uh, in the platform, as well as uh, the Deputy Ministers that have graced this occasion, the MECs, um, ladies and gentlemen, a, a very good afternoon to you. Um, my apologies, Chair, for, for the background. I am in a car in an area where there is no network reception. So 
I've had to move to a car. Apologies for the, the, the background. I, I am used to debating in the NCOP. On a more lighter note, it feels like I am home. I can't wait for the renovations to be completed so that I can physically come. Uh, I know the rules. Apologies uh, profusely. Uh, maybe I should also start with the disclaimer that I am not so young. Um, I am now young at heart just as Honorable Lucas started with that disclaimer. However, it, it gives me great pleasure to take this opportunity on behalf of the province of the Eastern Cape, the home of legends, to debate in this very much important discussion that is being uh, discussed in the NCOP. As we mark 46 years of the Soweto student uprising, a historical landmark that signifies the successive youth struggles that have shaped the history of our country. We are gathered here under the theme promoting sustainable livelihoods and resilience of young people in South Africa for a better tomorrow. This theme reminds me of the words of President Oliver Tambo when he said, and I quote, the children of any nation uh, are, its, are its future, a country that does not value its youth and children does not deserve its future, close quote. There is certainly no tomorrow without young people and there is no future without the youth. We therefore should understand our role as that of nurturing the youth and creating an enabling environment that will ensure that young people have access to education, they have access to skills, they get work and all the necessary opportunities to prepare them for the future. Young people are drivers of innovation and change in any society. They are the engine of new ideas and different ways of solving societal problems. We therefore should not simply prepare the, the youth for the future, Honourable member. Maskube, Maskube, Mama, Maskube. Natabang Gutu Sevens is a phone and Majibam phone, a good phone foot. Yabalega Pella Lendomanga Gunda phone. Can I propose, Chair? Yes, Chief Whip. We, we can propose that we, we skip the member, we rearrange that the member should be accorded an opportunity again because she did make this disclaimer about her situation. Thank you. Yes. Thanks Thank very you. much, uh, Honorable Shukwip. Honorable members, uh, I'll continue with the speakers list. The next speaker is Honorable M. Baha, DA. Honorable Baha. Um, thank you. Uh, um, honorable Chair, Honorable Members, um, and uh, Honorable MECs that are with us. Um, honorable Chair, Honorable Members, I don't know. When's the candle? Honorable and that's number one. I'm sure you echo. <laughs> Okay. Okay. 
Yes. Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, and Honorable uh, MECs, um, good afternoon. The month of June is the month where South Africans or South Africa gives recognition and acknowledgement to the young people of this country. The question we should be asking ourselves is that, is one month enough to recognize the majority of the country's population? The very same people that should be at the driver's seat in driving interventions of development and environmental agenda. In a country where 80% of young people are saying they have been directly affected by everything that is happening around them, politically, socially, and environmentally, of those impacted, 20% said their homes uh, were damaged, 16% stated that their education was disrupted, and 14% had limited access to safe water. I am merely uh, mentioning just a few. There are areas where young people should be playing strategic roles to influence um, sustainable livelihoods and resilience to the entire society, to provide holistic and comprehensive engagement that will ensure that their views and participation matters. Young people in 1976 led a revolution that will forever remain in history as a beacon of hope, but the youth of today face new challenges. However, a better future is possible if we build a determined, resilient, and empowered society. Young people are at the brutal face of being ignored, unnoticed and marginalized in all essence with our country, whereas they suffer the dire consequences of every pandemic we are facing. According to the quarterly labor force survey, for the first quarter of 2022, the unemployment rate was 63.9 for those aged 15 to 24, and 42.1 for those aged 25 to 34 years, while the current official national unemployment rate stands at 34.5%. This provides a gloomy picture that for every 10 young people you meet, seven will be unemployed. This is the current picture of unemployment for young people in South Africa. The starting point is to recognize that the youth is an integral part uh, to the development of South Africa. They must therefore be accepted as equal partners in crafting the solutions to the challenges they face as a generation and member of society. There should be nothing discussed regarding a way forward without them. Clearly, that requires intensive skills development programs that will capacitate and empower them to feel the need to be part of a better tomorrow. The young people are demoralized, demotivated, and lack the zeal to take part. That clearly says we as a country need to prioritize their psychological involvement. We live in a society where crime is seen as a solution to the current societal challenges facing young people. We see on a daily basis, young people resort to unhealthy and risky behavioral patterns as a way of survival. This is through substance abuse, risky sexual conducts, and the lack of structural interventions that will equip them with economical strengthening. There is a serious and urgent need to support young people to build their self-esteem, to be goal-driven, and increase access to appropriate skills and employment development as a way of reducing vulnerability. A focus on strengthening the mental capacity of our youth 
to combat the ills of living in South Africa, as it is mentally damaging to live in South Africa currently. Youth unemployment has a negative effect on the individual and the family, but also on the broader community in the form of serious economic and social consequences. This includes economic welfare, production, and erosion of human capital, social exclusion, crime, and social instability. The sustainable livelihood and resilience um, for people in an, is an effort to conceptualize livelihoods in a holistic way, taking into consideration many factors, constraints, and opportunities that they are subjected to. These constraints and opportunities are shaped by numerous factors ranging from health, education, economy, uh, economy, social stability, safety, and security. The other key challenges or challenge they face is gender-based violence. Young, um, young people in communities could be organized and inter in integrated to fight this scourge of criminality. This would help young people in gaining skills and work to make communities safer. South Africa is a youthful country. We have an obligation to put young people at the forefront of empowerment. For us to be able to achieve a brighter and better tomorrow, we should invest in our own gems so that they will not start looking for opportunities abroad. South Africa is seen as a promised land to many countries in Africa, but our young people are living in a shameful state and not having proper skills and views that others envisage. We can do better and we owe it to the youth of 1976 to not let their seed go unwatered. Young people are the future. They need to be equipped to be ready to take the bait and deliver us to a better tomorrow as a country. Because lest we do not do that, the future generations will not forgive us. We urgently need a robust system that will be anchored towards the principles of leadership capacity building that will serve as a forum of young leaders to establish a synergy of action and initiatives to effectively promote youth voice through advocacy, values, formation, and general, general youth desk. We need a vibrant youth-led initiative that empowers young people through creative awareness on all aspects affecting young people, promoting social values and gender responsiveness in all development initiatives, fostering hard work, self-discipline, and healthy choices. We need programs that will pioneer practical um, and sustainable development with young people at the front line. Thorough engagement with the private sector is necessary to take stock of what is the prohibitory factors that limits the uptake of young people in the different sectors. What needs to be done for the different sectors to open up for massive youth intake and develop targeted youth and enrollment. The education and training sector authorities, CITAS, should be in the forefront of youth uptake. That should be done by way of upskilling the youth in different sectors and skills for them to be ready for employment opportunities and various um, business opportunities. Chairperson, we have a lot in our hands and we dare not fail the youth for history will judge us harshly. All hands on deck for the future of our country and the young people. I thank you, Chairperson. Thanks very much, uh, Honorable Baha. Honorable members, I'm now going to call Honorable M. Shope, Houting MEC Sports, Recreation and Art and Culture. 
And I would also like to hand over to Honorable House Chair Nyambi to take over. Over to you, Honorable Mbali. House Chairperson, Chairperson and Deputy Chairperson of the NCOP, permanent and special delegates of the NCOP, Chief Whip and Deputy Chief Whips. 46 years ago, on the 16th of June, 1976, an uprising that resulted into death, destruction of, and, and destruction occurred in our province, Gauteng, that gave rise to the South African National Youth Day. A day that started peacefully did not end the same way. As students were shot point blank by the merciless apartheid regime, who did not only value life, but saw nothing wrong in killing women and youth without flinching. The South African constitution preamble reads, we, the people of South Africa, recognize the injustices of the past, honor those who suffered for justice and freedom in our land. The South African Youth Day provides us with one of those unique opportunities to reflect on our past and honor those who paid a supreme price of our freedom. A distinct and unique rare opportunity to reflect on the lives, times, sacrifices, thoughts and actions of those who came before us and contributed to what we know today as freedom. Former President O.R. Tambo cites that a country, a movement, a people that does not value its youth does not deserve its its future. Indeed, our former president affirms the significance of youth of our country as the beacon of hope for a prosperous South Africa. Our province, through its policy position, guides Oh, apologies. It seems I was muted. Okay. May I just check how much time I still have, Chief? You have four. Okay. I'm not sure where I was, but thank you, Chair. South Africa is a notable youth population. This youth should serve as a competitive advantage in developing the nation and driving innovation as the youthful exuberance of young people should foster rapid growth and development. However, it is not the case as young people continue to experience high levels of unemployment, poverty, and inequality, of which the emergence of the COVID-19 pandemic has worsened their fortunes. Our Honorable Premier, Mr. David Makura, has marshaled our province and our provincial departments to focus on addressing the situation of youth in the province, appreciating that the stats reveal that 2.2 million Youth are displaced as they are unemployed, not in school, and spending their days watching the sun rise and set. Accordingly, and in line with the articulations of President Oartando, the province has established a war room made up of all departments, our entities, civil society, and the private sector, whose main role is to obsess itself with addressing youth development and unemployment. Additionally, the Premier will tomorrow announce the Youth Advisory Panel, a panel that will work together with, the, with government in tracking and tracing progress made by departments in creating an enabling environment for the creation of jobs and addressing youth development. Chair, we embark on this critical work, appreciating that youth unemployment is a pandemic which we must resolve, a pandemic not unique to our country only, but globally, albeit in our case South with South African characteristics, born out of our racial, gender, and class disparities. Amongst the various interventions we have in the province is our Table 1 Million program, 
which has provided over 520,000 youth with job opportunities, 65% of which are young women. Additionally, we have embarked on a mass digital training for young people, ensuring that they're at the forefront of this fourth industrial revolution. Chair, we further acknowledge that albeit youth unemployment affects both those who are with and without education. The stats show that those without education are far more vulnerable and are more susceptible to a life of aid. Accordingly, our province places emphasis on education and our Department of Education continues to do exceptionally well, being amongst the best performers in the country. But to ensure that we also utilize schools for holistic youth development in this regard, both the Department of Education and that of Sports, Arts, Culture and Recreation will be launching the Wednesday Leagues program, our integrated sports and arts program, which seeks to bring back sports and arts into our Northeast schools. Appreciating that if we are to reverse the tide of youth of teenage pregnancy, drug and alcohol abuse amongst young people, we ought to be intentional in, our, in this regard. Honorable Chair, our province sees youth development not just as something we embark on during this month of June but rather something we must embark on on a daily basis and to deal decisively with youth unemployment and underdevelopment. We draw strength from the youth of 1976 and we dare not fail them. Thank you, Honorable MC Chope. I'll now invite uh, Honorable Lutuli. Thank you, Chairperson. With your permission, can I please have my video off? Uh, we don't have electricity. Okay. Thank you so much, Chepesi. Chepesi, we are gathered here today to mark the youth uprising, which took place on June 16, 1976, against one of the most brutal systems of the oppression in the world. We commemorate the day when black youth dressed in their school uniform marched peacefully in their numbers to oppose an illegitimate uh, government of white minority rule. Their call was not, was not only one based on the use of Africans as medium of instruction, but was a call for an end of apartheid rule. For the youth of 1976, understood that importance of education as a liberator and, part, and a pathway to a better life. These ideals are forever re relevant for our own society today because the struggle for the emancipation of our people has not changed much, particularly for the young people of this country. Today, we take an opportunity to honor this generation. The ideals which they lived and died for should serve as a source of inspiration uh, to all the youth of our country across all provinces. In, 1976, in 1976, the youth of our country correctly identified their mission and the various uh, challenges which they Face. This time, so that I finished this. <laughs> <laughs> You're a teacher out, man. Please. Thank you. Uh, let, let's allow. Yes. Thank you. Today, we take an opportunity to honor this generation. 
the ideals which they lived and died for should serve as a source of inspiration to all the youth of our country across all provinces. In 1976, the youth of our country correctly identified their mission and the various challenges which they faced. Today, 46 years later, our black youth are once again faced with the obligation to identify their own mission and the vast amount of challenges which they face. As we commemorate our youth day, we do so on the backdrop of youth, which is subjected to an education system, which is education system, which is a complete failure as it is a characterized, <clears throat> excuse me, by poor infrastructure, overcrowded classrooms and poor educational outcome. And it is continued to fail the black child on a daily basis. Many challenges prevailed as the quality of education has not improved much for the poor black working class. Today, our youth bears the brunt of, of, of unemployment. Our country has one of the highest unemployed unemployment. Honorable Tuli. Chairperson? Yes. Mr. Honorable Mukause, may I continue? Yes. It looks like Honorable Lutuli is having a problem. May I continue? No. As no, long no, no. as we are going to take it from where she left off and conclude. She's, she's having no. load shedding where she's staying. There's load shedding. Okay, May can you conclude on her behalf? Yo, yo, yo. This debate also comes at a time where South Africa is bleeding of high unemployment bleeding of young people abusing drugs and alcohol. So suicide amongst young people is on a rise chair. Young people depend on government grants. This alone is extremely unacceptable that today, and at this day and age, 26 years into democracy, chairperson, young people are left to die a silent death due to, due to governance ignorance. Chair, Tomorrow here in Makwarela in Toyando, the Commander-in-Chief and President of the Economic Freedom Fighters will again speak to young people, give hope to young people of South Africa and request them to hold on until the EFF takes power in 2024 and deliver economic freedom in our lifetime. The high unemployment rate creates a perfect storm for other social ills such as crime, gender-based violence, and social unrest. Chair, every day there's, there's news of the abuse of women and femicide being perpetuated, which has left young women of South Africa in a constant state of anxiety, fearing for their lives. It is the youth who are at the forefront of poverty, who are on the cold face of poverty, Chair, who suffer the most of these crimes, who are stunned uh, the most, who are stunned the most uh, 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 a chairperson in public institutions who get short end of the stick when it comes to the access to free education and who cannot find any employment opportunities. Chairperson, we all know this to be true, but there have not been any serious steps 
towards addressing these problems. Like the 1976 generation, our youth only has themselves to rely on because the president of South Africa and his cabinet has abandoned the ship and the poor black communities have been left alone to feel the impact. We have been left to fend for ourselves against poverty, unemployment, and a failing education system. And as a nation chair, we have been left to our own, on our own to determine the fate of our children and the lives of our own communities. It is for these reasons that we must understand that the student uprising of 1976 was led by a generation that was conscious enough on how uh, unjust apartheid society uh, was in its totality. Those young people fought not only against Bantu education, which was imposing Africans on them as a language of instruction. They fought to develop their own communities and free themselves from the monster apartheid domination. They, they were young people who understood that the education they received must have them at the center and that there was no education without a liberated society. The vision of those young people and their commitment should inspire us to fight for the dignity of a black child. The brave youth of 1976 must inspire us to act decisively against the various challenges which we face today. It is uncompromising character of the 1976 chair that guides us as the economic emancipation movement to fulfill our generational mission in the same way those rebellious young people fulfilled various in fighting for freedom. Chairperson, as the economic freedom fighters, we will continue to advance the cause of the emancipation of young people in this country. And we will continue to fight to ensure that it's being realized. Listen to the Commander-in-Chief tomorrow. We invite you all on all EFF social Please, please don't invite us to this kind of release. Uh, the real president, focus. the real, uh, uh, the marching. Thank you, thank you. Young people. As you conclude, Honorable Mukate, Mukate, I'm up, Honorable Mukate. Don't be disparaging and inviting us to other forums. Thank you, order members. I'll now invite Honorable MSC Nkomonye to continue with her speech as she also experienced some network problems. Honorable MSC. Thank you very much, Honorable Nyambi. Thank you so much for your understanding and the House's understanding. I, as I was saying, uh, Honorable Chair, there is no tomorrow without young people. There is no future without the youth. We therefore should understand our role as the current leadership, that of nurturing young people and creating an enabling environment that will ensure that young people have access to education, they have access to skills, and they have work and all the necessary opportunities to prepare them for the future. Young people are the drivers of the innovation and change in any society. They are the engine of new ideas and different 
different ways of solving societal problems. We therefore should not simply prepare the youth for the future, but include them in the decision-making and leadership of today so that the nation may benefit from their innovation and new ideas in shaping our shared future. The celebration of Youth Day is not just a commemoration of the historic 16th of June 19. 1976, but it is an acknowledgement that indeed the youth are the drivers of history. The youth are the engines of change in any society. Standing here today, we are paying homage to the young people who bravely said freedom in our lifetime. In the face of tear gas, live ammunition, detention without trial, torture and difficult conditions in the military camps. We stand on the shoulders of these giants, the youth of 1976, and Sorry, and an unforgettable example of the power of youth in their memory, young people of this country must stand up and raise their hand to help build our country. Today, we invoke their memory, not to, to over glorify the past, but to call upon their spirits to be with us as we face today's challenges. We remind ourselves of their bravery so that we can daringly face today's difficulties. The challenges that the youth faces today may seem immense, and we should, uh, and, and, and as such, we should overcome our challenges because in Solomon Matlangu and many others who died young in pursuit of our freedom. In South Africa, the youth constitutes majority of the population. Bearing this in mind, young people continue to face serious challenges. And key amongst those is the youth unemployment that has been uh, indicated by speakers before me. It, it is not an understatement, uh, Honorable Chair, to say that this challenge has reached crisis proportions. The picture even gets gloomier when you consider the staggering numbers of those who are not in employment, who are not in education and not in training. The unemployment rate is even higher amongst young women uh, with, with, with youth in rural areas even far worse off. Young people with disabilities continue to face enormous challenges in the labor market as they are more likely to be socially excluded and marginalized. Honorable Chairperson, Asiso Gwenzi's Lilo Genamtlanji is Lilo's guy Yeremia Ngengagi Esichongene Nazo. As government, we have to take responsibility and as leadership, not only as government, as leadership in this house, whether you are in opposition or in government, we must forge our hands together and take responsibility for the challenges that we are faced. We must accept that youth unemployment is a crisis, a ticking time bomb, and we are running out of time. It therefore cannot be business as usual. And over the past 28 years, the democratic government has introduced a number of policies and programs to construct response, uh, the education system, and shape uh, the democratic vision and values of this country. And this has resulted in a significant increase in the number of children and youth accessing education across the system uh, uh, from grade R to grade uh, to tertiary. And I think, uh, Honorable Chair, we must mention here today and thank those who, who, who participated in the struggle uh, that was tagged hashtag FISMA's fall movement in improving the access to higher education. <coughs> Excuse me. 
as part of, of dealing with the challenges, the Eastern Cape Provincial Government, we have set aside a budget of more than 100 million rand over the MTF to Isikalo Youth Fund. The Isikalo Youth Fund has over the past two years supported youth owned businesses and startups in an effort to address challenges of youth unemployment. This year, we have also allocated 10 million rands to four different universities in the province to assist with clearing a historical debt, student debt, to enable more students to access higher education in the province, but also to help those students who who can't receive their their qualifications uh, because they owe these universities so that they can be able to enter the job market. Honorable members, given all these challenges, we should all support the speedily implementation of the national youth policy recommendations, in particular, the ones that speak to access, all schools must have access to internet and free data, lay a foundation for the creation of future entrepreneurs by equipping learners with entrepreneurial skills, all post-school institutions should be inclusive to ensure that learners with disabilities uh, have, a, have a right to education and are protected. And, and also we must implement set-asides for youth across uh, the sectors. Government must implement and monitor 30% set-asides for employment of youth in targeted prioritized sectors. A youth-centric approach to rural development should be undertaken to support young people, including young agro-entrepreneurs. A proposal to relax taxes for youth startups should be explored as an avenue to improve their sustainability. In conclusion, Honorable Chairperson, at the center of youth unemployment crisis is two key elements, namely economic growth to enable the economy to create more jobs and skills development to address the mismatch between employment opportunities and available skills. It it is not the absence of the plans. The National Youth Policy, the National Development Plan and the Economic Development Plan are in place and we must just push for decisive implementation. I thank you, Honorable Speaker and, and Honorable Chairperson of the session, and, and we'll be gladly hosting the president tomorrow here in the province of the Eastern Cape as we commemorate the, the Youth Day. Thank you so much. Thank you, Honorable MSC. I'll now invite Honorable Nzube. Honorable Nzube. Thanks, uh, thanks, uh, Honorable House Chairperson, uh, Ministers, Deputy Ministers, MECs, uh, Special and Permanent Delegates, uh, to participate in this historic debate of our time and hope that after this, we would have a pragmatic solution to the problems of our people. Honorable House Chairperson, the historical mission of the African National Congress is a people's liberation movement, is the liberations of blacks in general and Africans in particular. Through the pursuit of the National Democratic Revolution, which seeks to transform society from the ruins of colonial apartheid and usher in a non-racial and non-sexist democratic society. There is no doubt that throughout the journey towards the National Democratic Society, the youth has taken a key motive force for a change which not only stands to benefit from this transformation which we seek to achieve, but also as a social stratum, they are the drivers of this change. There are many generations of youth 
which have emerged within and outside of the ANC to provide an impetus for our struggle. The very formation of the ANC was, a, was an initiative driven by a young scholar and Pan-Africanist, Pixlika Isaka Sen, who made a clarion call for the unity of Africans and undermined the demon of tribalism that had served the colonial power so well in dividing the natives. The 1944 golden generation, which infused the liberation movement with new life, ideas, and energies through that clarion call, freedom in our lifetime, is another example of the role that the youth can play today. Today, we honor the young heroes and heroines who answered to the defying generation of 1976, who rejected the Bantu education system and youth of the 1980s who rendered apartheid government ungovernable and it's much found in his book entitled The Rest of the Earth poses that each generation must discover its mission, fulfill it or betray in the relative obscurity. This calls upon the current generation to locate their role in the struggle in the current context and previous generations have done answer the call of the hour. There is a greater consensus amongst all of us that the current socioeconomic conditions of poverty, unemployment, and inequality renders the quality of the lives of the youth today into obscurity. These challenges in turn create a conundrum others, the high levels of crime, gender-based violence and femicide, drugs, and substance abuse. According to the quarterly labor force survey for the quarter for the first quarter of 2022, the unemployment rate was 63.9% for those aged 15 to 24 and 42.1% for those aged 25 to 34 years. While the current official uh, official rate stands at 34.5%. This shows that the youth bears the burden of unemployment. In addition to this reality, which was already exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic, the recent geopolitical developments have had a negative impact on our economy. This means that more, more of young people will fall, will fall below poverty line. The developmental state must take this reality into cognizance and ensure that social compact with market and non-market stakeholders prioritizes the question of streamlining the Another reality that we must grab with female unemployment rate remained higher than that of their male counterparts. This is indicative of apparent disparity, which leads to women Lagging behind in terms of social of these black women, black African women were the most vulnerable with an unemployment rate of 40.6%. Furthermore, even amongst the ranks of the employed, there is still a gender pay gap which shows that women on average to the United Nations. South Africa has experienced a decline of a gender wage gap 
add a mean from However, the gap declined only until 2007 and was stagnant thereafter, oscillating at 16%. This globe sided provides an explanation for the social crisis of gender-based violently. The ideas and energies of youth are already being deployed to respond to these socioeconomic conditions through the innovatives and entrepreneurial spirit, especially in the township and rural areas. In 2019, we learned of a story of Sibusi Sochabangu from Sibanye village in Nkwama, Zimpumalanga, whom together with petrol, jet fuel, and LPG gas from his background, from his backyard using biotechnology from plastic. At this time, Sibusiso was manufacturing 200 liters of diesel and 50 liters of petrol a day, and the local community was abuzz and supportive of his products. This could be a solution to our fuel crisis, which, which is at the center of the rise of food prices and food insecurity. The small enterprise development agency, which has programs strengthening of cooperative, made a commitment to assist Busiso and other township-based innovators and entrepreneurs. Assisting innovators with compliance standards is a way breaking down the barriers of market entry so that they are able to supply the local market. This will, will also create you will also create youth employment. Honorable last chairperson, we, we welcome Houghton Township Economic Development Act number two, 2022, which has been signed into law by the Premier of Houghton. The intentions of this act is to provide the framework of the promotion and development of the township economy, licensing of enterprises and in deprived areas, funding to assist small enterprises and provide principles to be adopted by municipalities in adopting the bylaws and cons concerning the local businesses. The youth in the township will surely benefit from these interventions, which will also provide a basis to regulate the great industry young artists who are rich market players. We hope other provinces we know effect that the province of free state under the MEC Magalo is right on track uh, under this uh, uh, regulation that we have just uh, alluded to. Honorable members, the democratic dispensation has emerged, the democratic dispensation that has emerged in 1994 is an antithesis of the violent colonial apartheid system, which was underpinned by class exploitation, racism, and, and sexism. This evil system spread for a period of three centuries, and Black in general, Africans in particular, were subjected to it. Franz Fanon, in rest, the rest of the earth, argues that human beings who are not considered as such by the colonizer shall not be bound by principles that apply to humanity. So violence we see today in our society are remnants of the colonial apartheid system. The Minister of Police on the 3rd of June 2022 presented a crime statistics of the last term from January 2022 to March. And we have witnessed an increase in the medical
cases and other violent cases that majority of the people that are people. This is, the, this is both in form of male-on-male violence and gender-based violence. The youth of our country must lead a discourse which will dissect this problem in their discussions, grapple with the root causes, and come up with programs that will address these social ills. The South African police, in its report on the 8th of June 2022, said that alcohol was a contributing factor in the 280 cases of murder, 347 of attempted murder, and 5,000 more than 5,000 of gender-based violence. This abuse in our society. We are that the part of the solution to this fight against the culture of violence and materialism has become so crushed in our society and captured our young people. It is this culture which glorifies criminality, opulence, and sexually explicit content which wins our youth over to alcohol and substance abuse. The youth must unite across all races, classes, and gender orientation to fight crime. Practically, they must be lobbied to participate in the forefront of community policing forum, education and awareness campaigns, and all relevant platforms that mobilize society in the fight against crime. The NC calls for, calls for the state to deepen the transformation agenda and address the discrimination and marginalization of women in the mainstream economy. We must intensify and engaging all stakeholders in emphasizing the role that women play in our families, communities, economic activities, and all phases of our life. The starting point should be the implementation of the National Strategic Plan on GBVF. The youth must also reject the backward tendencies which undermines and diminishes in their the social circles. We have gone we have gone past the days where the guy code will be used as an excuse to conceal GBV when it's committed by our friends, family members, including political allies. The current social the current social ills of GBV are also indicate arts, culture, and sports as a form of soft power to mobilize the youth and the rest of society to ideologically reject unbecoming tendencies which become undermining to our social cohesion. The NC calls for the state and the rest of society to view this not just as a sources of entertainment and leisure, but also as an our social fabric. We want to see more of participating in sports, arts and culture activities that will create awareness on GBV and other social issues confronting young people. In conclusion, Honorable House Chairperson, you must say it here today before it happens, that we are sitting on a time bomb. If we, are not, if we can't resolve the youth unemployment, it will destroy everything else that we stand for as a country. Comparative people of the council, our people will not only vote for the mighty ANC because of their past, but they must do so because of the things that we are doing today to change the realities of our people. To constitute a critical and critical 20, I said before this house, that the developmental state like ours that leads direct and is open to a persuasion if it is in the best interest of our country. 
Honorable Lausha President of the Council, we are urging you and the entire administration, six administration, and we are persuading it as the youth of 2022. We are calling on you to declare the national state of disaster on youth unemployment. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable. Recording Ruben. stopped. I'll now invite, Recording in progress. I'll now invite the Wazulu Natal MEC of Education, Honorable Mishengo. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Honorable Chair. Honorable Chair, to promote sustainable livelihoods and resilience of young people in South Africa for the better tomorrow. Young people must be given opportunities beyond hollow speeches and motivations. To be youth is a transitional stage, and therefore anything that must accrue to young people must accrue to them immediately. They must be given these opportunities now and not tomorrow. As we draw strength from the heroic generation of 1976, it is also incumbent upon young people to be active architects of what they want to become now and in the future. We stand on the wise counsel by the great Oliver Tambo when he said, and I quote, the children of any nation are its future. Any country, a movement, a person, that does not value its youth and children does not deserve its future. In the province of KwaZulu-Natal, it's all hands on deck to create space and opportunities for young people to thrive. And that is happening now. And I want to give some highlights of what we are doing as a province to create these opportunities now for young people to thrive. We are now in the third year of the Youth Business Fund, which is aimed at helping young people to start and grow their businesses. The contribution of government in this fund continues to rise from the initial 50 million, 200 million now in 2022-2023 financial year. This fund has benefited 53 young people from across all walks of life who have in turn created over 500 job opportunities. Through Operation Vula Fund, which is a fund created to deliberately empower the historically disadvantaged, 42% of businesses that have benefited are owned by young people of 35 years and below. For this financial year, the Operation Vula Fund is expected to lead into a creation of no less than 10,800 job opportunities in which the majority will accrue to young people. And in line with the national youth policy, the Department of Economic Development, Tourism and Environmental Affairs has developed the KZN Youth Empowerment Strategy 2020-2030, which is anchored on five strategic pillars, namely enterprise development, employment creation, training and skills development, information dissemination, as well as institutional development.
through the Department of Transport. We are championing a radical socio-economic program called Integrated Growth, Unity, and Liberation of Africans. Yet another program that is aimed at deliberately empowering the historically disadvantaged, particularly young people. The majority of beneficiaries in this program are youth-owned enterprises. Majority of them have gradually developed to higher grades within the Construction Industry Development Board, which is called CIDP database. Through this program in the last financial year, the department awarded contracts to the value of 932 million to youth-owned entities. These were generated, or these, these were generated out of 1,501 contracts awarded by the department. This was also through subcontracting in major projects and has created job opportunities and skills development for young people. In addition, the Department of Transport is embarking on a contractor development model, which will assist incubating emerging contractors to develop business skills and to grow within the sector. Through various initiatives of uh, programs such as Zimbabwe, again within the Department of Transport in our province, 62,000 jobs have been created. While the majority all will be created, while the majority will be going to women-headed households, young people will be major beneficiaries. In addition, the department has identified the further 22 million through internal processes to employ 11,000 young people to participate, to participate in targeted programs. And this will be done, Honorable Chair, to achieve a target set by the provincial government that by the end of this year, all departments cumulatively must have created 100,000 jobs which are aimed in empowering young people. And this is happening under the program, which is led by the premier called Operation Suguma 100,000. No, it's 10,000. My apologies, Chair. The Department of Transport also commenced with the, with the implementing of the second phase of Vugaibambi Road, road Maintenance Program, where 5,600 young people were employed in various districts throughout the province. This is an expansion of the program from the previous achievement of 3,200 young people employed in the first phase. And this type of work performed include construction of roadworks as well as routine road maintenance. And through the program of the Presidential Youth Employment Intervention, the KwaZulu-Natal Department of Education appointed 67,000 young people on contract post of educator assistance, general school assistance, as well as the reading champions. This is what we mean, Honorable Chair, when we say young people must be given opportunities and they must be given now. As we expand these opportunities, we call on the youth of our country to defy a corrosive value system that one of the leading intellectuals in our country spoke about 
Joel Nechitsenze, when he said, and I quote, within the youth, beyond direct incidents of corruption, there is a matter of a value system and outlook which are infused within a celebrity culture. Standing in the eyes of peers, possibilities of entering intimate relationships and followership on social media, all this and more seem to increasingly depend on and in turn feed into that celebrity status with money and decadent behavior at the center of it. The greatest danger is that young people are emerging into positions of responsibility within the context of a value system that, be, that may be so coercive of humanism and selflessness that fundamental social transformation demands." Unquote. Young people must use these opportunities to create wealth which they can pass on to many generations. Thank you so much, Honorable Chair. Thank you, Honorable MC Mshengu. I'll now invite the Popo MC Sports, Arts and Culture, Honorable MC Morag. Uh, thank you very much, House Chairperson, the permanent delegates of the National Council of Provinces, and special delegates that are joining us in these virtual platforms, ministers and deputy ministers who are here with us, honorable MECs from various provinces who are also partaking <clears throat> in this important debate, ladies and gentlemen and, and uh, comrades and friends, good evening. It is indeed a great pleasure to partake in this debate in the month of June, which is a very historic month in our political calendar, where a lot of historic events occurred against what the unjust apartheid regime was trying to do with the intention to sideline the African black majority members of our society from achieving certain goals in life. We take this colossal moment to remember the resilience of the youth of 1976, who took it upon themselves to confront the brutal apartheid government that wanted to introduce Africans as the only medium of instruction in our public schools. I'm speaking here, House Chair, about young lions like Tieti Mashinini, Hector Peterson, Billy Maseta, Koto Siatolo, Antoinette Sitole, Nkoli Simvovo, Deborah Mafole, just to mention a few. The 1976 generation knew exactly what they were faced with, and they understood exactly how the use of Africans as the only medium of communication in schools was going to impact negatively in their future academically, and also in the future of other generations that are to come towards the noble call of attainment of education by all the young people of South Africa as a whole. House Chairperson, the quest for the youth inclusion in South Africa's political affairs has continued to shape the country's political landscape. Young people's political participation and access 
to socioeconomic development opportunities remains an important call in Africa's youth where young people have been acknowledged for their creative skills and pioneering ideas across the continent and the entire globe. There is a need to empower the youth politically to so that they can contribute to the social and economic development of our country. We are making this clarion call to all the, the leaders within our various political formations that we have in the country to start embracing young people, even in positions of leadership, so that they can actively be involved in political affairs, particularly in the process of decision-making in every process that the country is embarking on. It is high time that we start to perceive the young people as key agents of socioeconomic development and political movers of our society. Young people are the integral part of our democracy. As Owar uh, Tambo once said, and I quote, any country, any movement, or a society that does not take care of its young people or children, it does not deserve the future. I'm pleased to report here, House Chairperson, to this August House, that the Limpopo Provincial Government has appointed a fully fledged youth directorate that is based in the office of the Premier, which is working closely with the National Youth Development Agency in championing youth development programs within the provincial government departments and also in the private sector with the ultimate aim of uplifting the lives of our young people in the province. According to the study on the 2019 general elections that focused on socioeconomic performances and the voter apathy amongst our young people, it revealed that the Center for Development in Africa at the University of Johannesburg in 2019 it revealed that South Africa's young people, the only concern about their socioeconomic well-being above their democratic rights. In simple words, House Chair, we want to emphasize that most of our young people believe that it is more important for the country to cater for their needs and wants than to vote for, the, for a political party that they believe in, in that particular regard. This is a worrying trend, House Chair, that indicates a loss of faith in our young people on the democracy that we have as a country. Placing socioeconomic rights above democratic rights is understandably given the multiple struggles that young people are faced with. 28 years since the dawn of our democracy, the country is still arguably the most unequal as compared with the rest of other countries in the world. The most recent workforce figures shows that 52.2% jobless, joblessnesses rate amongst the country's young people. Almost twice the general national unemployment rate of 27.6% affect mostly our young people, wherein youth 
are grappling with the well-documented failings of the education system, which has left many school leavers unprepared to enter into the tertiary education in order for them to pursue a career path in entrepreneurship space. The particularly low level of skills amongst young people constrains them from their ability to enter into the labor market as and when they are presented to them. I'm going to make a clarion call to all our various uh, government departments in this debate and also those that are not here to start creating an enabling environment for our young people to can be able to create jobs for other young people as compared to the issue that young people must continue to be job seekers. I think we need to change that mindset to, to create an envi environment where our young people are job uh, creators themselves so that they, we avoid a situation where they go around seeking for jobs. Honorable Speaker, Honorable Chair, the President of the Republic of South Africa, the only CIC that we have in the country, President Cyril Ramaphosa. During on the CIC. President Malema is the only CIC. Order, order, honorable members, order. Put money in the sofas. Not that one who shoves money in the sofa. Honorable order. Can I be protected? Protected, MEC. The President of the Republic of South Africa, President Madamela Cyril Ramaphosa, the only Commander-in-Chief in the country of South Africa. During his response to the recent budget speech, he said, and I quote, South Africa's youth who are suffering most from unemployment and exclusion are going to be the ones that are added to the 1 million beneficiaries of the employment stimulus programs amongst 84% of those that are benefiting from that program are young people. It is high time that we need to tell the truth and not claim easy victories. Young people in this country are going to be benefiting from these initiatives that are uh, reported to uh, the public by our honorable president. He said that young people are also expected to be the primary beneficiaries of our presidential youth employment intervention and the social employment fund. And I believe that all of us, let us make sure that we, we, we believe in the words that were echoed by our own sitting president, Utata Cyril Ramaphosa. Despite all these challenges that young people continue to face today and other young people continue to make us proud, I'm speaking here, House Chairperson, about what the one and only son of the soil of Limpopo, Umasta Keiji, who went all out and represented us in the global space and made the whole the whole globe to dance to the Jerusalem song that have almost reached 500 million views on YouTube, where he featured Nondebo Zikode. I'm also speaking here about the Ndovu Youth Choir, all the way from the province of Limpopo, that went all the way to the America's God Talent and made it to the finals of that particular competition. 
They have also taught countries such as UK, Switzerland, Netherlands, and many other countries throughout the world, showcasing their God-given talent. In conclusion, Honorable Speaker, there is a need for us as a democracy to make sure that we create enabling environment for our young people to thrive politically and also in an entrepreneurial space. I want to take this opportunity and quote one of our profound philo philosophers that we have, Amita Cabral, when he said, and I quote, always bear in mind that the people are not fighting for ideas, for things in anyone's head. They are fighting to win material benefits, to live better and also in peace. They are also to see their lives go forward and also to guarantee the future of their own children. <coughs> I was quote in that manner, honorable speaker, and say to you, let us live in the words of our philosopher Amika Cabral and make sure that we put young people at the center stage of our planning process at the level of our government and also at the level of the private sector. Thank you, Honorable MEC. I'll now invite Honorable Detroit. On Wednesday, 16 June 1976, between 10 and 20,000 young, frustrated black people took to the streets to protest against government's decision to teach African high school students in both Afrikaans and English as education language. Police were taunted, rocks were thrown, tear gas and life ammunition fired, and there were casualties. An unfortunate and tragic event. Minister Lesufi, however, is not the unblemished champion of the youth he purports himself to be. He is currently forcing the so-called colonial language to be the main education medium, depriving all from getting mother tongue education. How is this different from the 1976 injustice? Think about it. It's nothing else than blatant discrimination against all our indigenous, indigenous languages. What are the challenges that the youth in general encounter today 15 June 2022, Zuid-Afrika, ek is trots op die jongvrouwe en manne wat met selfvertrouwe en hoop op God gerig initiatief neem en selfvertoekomst skep, ten spuite van die regeringse teenstand en ekonomische uitsluiting. Daar is jeug wat in studierichtings en beroepskeeses met sukses verander het, aangesien al volgens die regering te wit is, om een quota te vol. 
Het is toch zo so makkelijk om die skandvlek van vals beskuldigings te aanvaar, as het vir meer as 28 jaar in jou en jou ouders en jou voorouders uitgeroep word, nee, ons sal het nie toelaat nie, ons sal het nie aanvaar nie, voorzitter. Ons onthou vandag, elke kind en jongman en vrouw wat jou levens as gevolg van plaas aanvallen en geweld en misdaad verloor het. Ons ruil saam met jou oor jou drome en geleendhede wat jou ontneem is, verjaarsdaal, kersfeest, die rugbyfinaal, korfbal, skaak en een metriek afskuit, sprookies trouwe, een vervulde leven waar drome verweesendig kon word, jylle het die dierste prijs betaal. We will not accept the lies and accusations that are slanted in our direction on a daily basis, Chair. Today's youth are not to blame for the substandard education system, the stolen opportunities or the youth uh, unemployment rate, Ongelukkig word die wit en bruin jeugd dagelijks blootgestel om verwerping en beskuldigings. Gelukkig, voorzitter, gelukkig kyk hier die jeugd terug na kleervolle geschiedenis, vol hartseer en vol vreugde en hulle bouw daarop. Hier die geëtiketteerde jeugd bewys die teendeel, voorzitter. Hier die jeugd behou die morele hooggrond. In plaas daarvan om gewelddadige protest in die straten te hou, bly hul doelgerig en gefokus. Dankie aan jou, of jy een Jan, Pieter, François, Devin, een Marley, Joan of Nikita is, gewone mense, nie slagoffers nie, nee, ons sal nie die regeringse hartelike etiket dra nie, hierdie jeug voel die vier in die kombuis voorzitter, hy is nie naïef nie, hy het nie een raskaart om tot al voordeel te speel nie, en is buitendien nie in al aard nie. Jy, Afrikaner jeug, geëtiketteerde jeug, Jy is nie een slagoffer nie, jy is een oorwinnaar, een strijder, een bitter einder, jy is innoverend en bekwaam, jy is nederig, maar nie minderwaardig nie. Floreer met respect, behou volkstrots en bly beginselvast. Dankie voorzitter. Thank you. The next speaker. 10%. We don't yes. know if we are being insulted here in Africa. No. We don't have interpretation. We don't even there have interpretation. Inter- there is interpretation. You people are just looking at people insulting us here. Kause, there is interpretation in Africans and official language in South Africa. <laughs> now I invite Western Cape MEC Police Oversight and Safety Honorable Allen. Thank you so much, Chairperson. I trust that I am audible your side. Yes, you are audible, Honorable MEC. Honorable Chairperson, Honorable MECs, Honorable Members, it is Franklin D. Roosevelt who said, we cannot always build the future for our youth, but we can build our youth for the future. This is a profound statement and one that places an indictment on all of us across this particular country called South Africa. Chairperson, the reality is that as a nation, we are failing the very foundation of this country, and that foundation is our young people. It is in our it is in this foundation that we should be building our country. It is on this foundation that we should be building our future. And it is on this foundation that we should be prioritizing. Any builder will tell you that without a good and solid foundation, you will never be able to keep a building standing upright. 
and the slightest wind would immediately disintegrate that particular structure. But Chairperson, as we are sitting here today during this important debate preempting tomorrow's activities, how do we achieve that when our young people are not being strengthened for that future, when in fact they are being disempowered, they are not having access to skills development and opportunities, and many other examples can be made. It is therefore not surprising, Chairperson, that as pointed out by, by, the, by the stats general for the quarterly labor force survey for the first quarter of 2022, that 4.7 million of our young people across this country are unemployed. The building blocks, the future is unemployed. What does this lead to? It leads to an answer that we are all fully aware of. But I will further elaborate in that regard, Chairperson. Because if this house is okay with being responsible for our young people losing hope and believe, then I do not wish to associate myself with such a house. If all these present in this particular debate today are being responsible for disenfranchising our young people, then I would like to distance myself in that regard. Because anyone that seeks to render our young people hopeless, we wish to dismiss with the relevant contempt that it deserves. It is for that reason I can boldly state, Chairperson, that the entire Western Cape government rejects anything and anyone whose aim is to disempower and mislead our young people particularly since they are the foundation upon which the future of our country should be built. For this reason and many others, the Western Cape Government of Police Oversight and Community Safety will, during this particular financial year, invest over 60 million rand in youth development and youth resilience programs. This will ensure that 2,160 young people will have opportunity to be empowered in our province. The development and overall empowerment of our young people is that we believe in this province. And this is why as far back as the year 2000, we launched the Chrysalis Academy, which is situated in the Tokai area. And this particular academy, which is run over a three-month residential program for young people between the ages of 18 to 25 across the entire Western Cape. And this program seeks to ensure personal mastery, great resilience, and enhanced skill sets to access a range of further learning opportunities, including a 12-month work placement to acquire work experience. Chairperson, this is empowerment with opportunity. Along with the various programs during the different phases over the three months, young people are provided with both accredited and non-accredited skills models, which among others include office administration, hairdressing, carpentry, electrical, and peace officer training. Chrysalis also focuses, Chairperson, quite strongly on therapeutic care and psychosocial vulnerable young female support as a preventative measure as part of our GBV programs. Chairperson, it is the young people of this province should know that there's real hope and that they have, and if they have a sense that they feel neglected or rejected in our country, that is not the sense in the Western Cape. Because we have seen the impact and the successes that we have reached, and we will be building and continually building on that. Because like I've said, the young people 
are the foundation for the future. Chairperson, 600 young people will also form part of this particular program for this particular year. And flowing from that Chrysalis Academy, it is our young, it is our youth hubs, peer leaders and mentorship program that we also roll out, which is implemented in 18 of our hotspot areas in our lease safe areas across the province. And these consist of 13 areas within the metro of the city of Cape Town and five non-metro areas. We have also committed to over 4 million rand towards community-based youth development and training programs. And this ties perfectly, Chairperson, directly in with the Western Cape Safety Plan as the program is currently active in eight metro areas in the province, namely in Nyanga, Philippi East, Cryfontaine, Bishop Lavers, Steenburg, Elsis River, Mitchell's Plain and Atlantis. The establishment of these hubs focuses on the Youth Hub Ambassador being the first point of contact to graduates to provide ongoing support to young people in their communities. Whenever any one person gets an opportunity, we capacitate that person to also help and assist others to also grab hold of opportunities. And that is action. That is where we are saying we are determined to ensure that the future of our country are looked after because ultimately they are not only the leaders of tomorrow, but young people are already leaders in their respective spheres where they find themselves. Chairperson, the Youth Hub ambassadors receive support and ongoing training to boost their capacity. Many in this house would be aware that Nanga has been the murder capital of our country for more than 10 years. But I'm delighted to say today that that is no longer the case during the past financial year. In fact, through the leap and the youth interventions, for the first time in the history, Nanga has decreased for each and every quarter during the 2021-2022 financial year. And that leap offices, which is in partnership with the city of Cape Town, is showing that the Western Cape government, in partnership with the city of Cape Town, have stepped up where national government have failed to step in. Speak, um, um, Chairperson, all youth um, hub ambassadors and graduates of the Chrysalis Academy are encouraged to support the work of the area-based teams as well, where we look at particular areas and we take in the whole of government, whole of society approach in order to holistically deal with the challenges in that particular area. And since the implementation of this program, Young people are then encouraged to become active citizens of positive change in their communities. And to achieve this by young people who actively become involved in a range of community service activities, which includes forming part of our neighborhood watches, which we have 16,000 in our country. We, we actively support them, capacitate them, also provide funding to our neighborhood watches in order to be the ears and eyes on the ground because we do know an active citizenry lead to safer communities and young people is key in that regard. Furthermore, we also help and encourage them to get involved in the SAPS Youth Desk, street cleanups, hosting sporting activities for young people, painting murals with positive messages and linking unemployed young people to learning and employment opportunities for growth and development. It is further envisaged, Chairperson, that over the financial year, the program will be expanded to 10 additional areas here in the metro and in the rural parts of our province. Chairperson, 
I think we will all agree that if you invest in young people, if you invest in the youth, you strengthen the foundation. If you build for the future, these are the types of results that will that we are seeing already in our communities. Chairperson, in this province of the Western Cape, we don't pay lip service to the empowerment and development of our young people. All Chrysalis graduates that successfully completed the training programs are provided with an internship opportunity. This, um, these are via the EPWP internship opportunities aims to boost young people to, to exposure and work opportunities and on-the-job training, career path, mentorship, and to see how they play that active role in our communities. Chairperson, with a budget of just over 26 million rand, we will also create further 1,000 EPWP youth internship opportunities. Chairperson, further, the school safety youth and learners support... As you conclude, MSC. As I conclude, Chairperson, I wish to state that the Western Cape is committed to working with any stakeholder, public and private, in the best interest of young people. We have a responsibility now to ensure that they, the young people of today are able to enjoy the many sacrifices that young people of 1976 have made. But once again, as I close, we cannot always build the future for our young people, but we can build our young people for the future. And that's exactly what we are doing in the Western Cape. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable MEC Allen. I'll now invite uh, Honorable uh, Hadebe. Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Members. The Inkada Freedom Party, together with the IFP Youth Brigade, commemorated the youth who sacrificed their lives during the Soweto uprising in 1976. We salute those who acted fearlessly in pursuit of the values of human dignity, the fight for equality, and the right to quality education. Much like the youth of 76, many who are <clears throat> amongst us here in this house know very well what it takes to move a generation forward. The youth of this generation know very well too what it takes to place their issues on the agenda. The young people of our country have tried all avenues to get a seat at the table. The saying goes, nothing about us without us. Chairperson, if passed in the National Assembly, the IFP's Employment Services Amendment Bill will come before this House to be passed. We strongly believe that this private member's bill truly provides a real solution to youth unemployment. Many in this House are aware of the increase in the number of foreign nationals working in the unskilled and low-skilled occupational levels. These jobs are the entry-level jobs our youth require to gain experience and to lift themselves out of poverty. It is a starting point. Should we adopt this bill in the National Assembly and the NCOP, members of parliament will send a clear message to the youth of our country that we will prioritize the employment of South African citizens who are ready, willing, and capable to work. Policy, policy development and drafting of legislation mean very little if there is no political will to implement it. Let us not pay this youth debate with more lip service. Let us show the young people of this country that we as members of this house representing all provinces are standing ready to help this generation move forward. This is how we can lead them in showing what it takes to move mountains, to cut red tape, 
and to unlock their potential through job opportunities. We must focus on how our rural youth who face daily choices such as going to school and home, <clears throat> and home hungry, excuse me, or looking for work or resorting to drugs for quick fixes are guided towards constructive employment programs. Chairperson, let us get our youth in jobs now. This is the only way we can build a better tomorrow. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Hatebe. I'll now invite uh, Honorable Mokai. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chair. Um, council members of the NCOP, fellow young people of South Africa, ladies and gentlemen, as we commemorate Youth Day, I dedicate this debate to a 26-year-old Tabang van Staden, a young man from Ivory Park in Kimberley in the Solplike municipal area in the Northern Cape, who is believed to have committed suicide just last week because he was desperate for work. A young man whose economic circumstances are, bold, are believed to have contributed towards his mental state and ultimately the motivation to end his life. How unfortunate to be a young person in this time. According to South Africa, the youth unemployment has broken a world record at 6.5%. South Africa's burgeoning youth unemployment rate has long been proclaimed as a national crisis. While youth unemployment in South Africa continues to soar, where two-thirds of young people do not have jobs, opportunities, or economic inclusion, their chances in life grow dumb. Our youth are not free when two in three youth cannot find a job. Honorable House Chairperson, this debate takes place under the theme, and I quote, promoting sustainable livelihood and resilience of young people in South Africa for a better tomorrow. I would like to remind this session that young people are not the future. We are the present. Youth is now. However, it does not help when the presiding officer of this very house, Honorable Masondo, just last week at the CPA Africa Region Congress, conference rather, in Sierra Leone, bemoaned the role of young people in today's society, be it in politics or in business, citing their inept and lack of experience. His comments made me realize that we are still far away from the true emancipation of young people, true emancipation from the shackles of poverty, inequality, and joblessness. There is a lack from government side invest, investment in youth opportunities. And there is a plethora of institutions and entities on our doorstep that can be capacitated to support the young people, but we have a severe lack of interest from our state. How many more young people have to demonstrate their desperation for economic inclusivity? How many more youth have to die before they are born? Honorable House Chairperson, the National Youth Development Agency should just rather be scrapped. It has failed to be a major contributor to job opportunities and the upskilling of young people in the Northern Cape. There needs to be real-time investment and support for young entrepreneurs, even in the informal economy. And we know the informal economy plays a major role in addressing the socioeconomic issues facing many nations around the world. And in South Africa, we see them through car washers, amashisa nyama, hair salons, fruit and veg, and fast food stalls, amongst others. Research indicates that South Africa alone, the informal sector accounts for 15 to 17% of total employment and about 5.2% of the country's GDP. 
yet very little attention is given to how informal sector entrepreneurship shapes individual entrepreneurial orientation and the emergence of entrepreneurial leadership, vice versa. The capacity of our libraries, yeah, House Chairperson, we need to we, needs to be intensified with functional internet access to assist young job seekers with online job applications and interviews. There is so much that can be offered to our desperate youth, but we lack the world to assist. UNICEF State of the World's Children 2017 Children in a Digital World Report reveals that one in three internet users is younger than 18 years, and 71% are between the ages of 15 to 24 who are online, making them the most connected age group worldwide. However, access to internet facilities creates a barrier for growth and development, and particularly in a province such as the Northern Cape. In my 2020 youth debate in this very same house, I presented a proposal commissioned by the DA Youth to this government to look at offering about 500 megabytes free for destitute young people to enable them to look for economic opportunities on the net. Nothing came from it, not even a response, Honorable House Chair. We cannot continue talking about the youth as if they are not in the room, as if they don't exist. We cannot expect them to be okay with standing in a line for hours to only be told that the system is offline when applying for or receiving the 350 social relief distress grant. For how much longer are the youth going to struggle under an uncaring and unforgiving government? The government has long lost its opportunity to grow the economy of this country. Whereas when the recent case is already governed by these promises and they've turned the reality and it's time that the DS promises are moved to the rest of South Africa. We will create opportunity centers throughout the country that provide information, advice, and free internet to job seekers. That's the only government that can grow small businesses and create opportunities for them. We do not believe in young, vulnerable people paying for jobs with their bodies or hard-earned cash to be left destitute and joblessness. We will also ensure that there is no political interference in the allocation of opportunities to beneficiaries, EPWP or not. And this is a case in point in our province. And I'm saying it is time that this government, under the leadership of Rema Tamela, realizes that poverty knows no politics, neither does hunger. Our people are shouting cries of desperation for this government to provide opportunities and equality for all. The only remedy to a dying people is to provide diverse, resilient leadership. And that is what we are proposing. South Africa can only be better tomorrow when our youth are enabled through training, employment, education, and business opportunities. I thank you, Honorable House Chair. Thank you. I'll now uh, invite Honorable Mkiva to conclude the debate. Honorable Mkiva. Um, Honorable House Chair, good evening to you and uh, give me good evening to the members of this house. And allow me uh, once again to greet our special guests, the MECs that come from all the provinces uh, of our country. Uh, Chairperson, we gather today on the eve of the uh, youth celebrations. And uh, the theme for this year is promoting sustainable livelihoods and resilience of young people in South Africa for a better tomorrow. But the topic for today is really centered around the government interventions aimed at addressing the plight of the young people in our country. And I will limit my communique exactly to that. Uh, 
ngenxaxheba ethe yadlalwa ngabantu abatsha kwele lizwe ndiyavuya ukubona nemibutho eyayime kwela cala lingaphesheya ngethuba sisilo elinkululeko ingqina isithi nayo iyavuma intobana inxaxheba yolutsha ithathe iqathu eliphezulu ekuncenxesheleni indlela aya inkululekweni kweli lizwe iyavuyisa lo nto kodwa ndifuna ukuthi masahlule phakathi kwephupha namampunge amaphupha olwalutsha luka 1976 yaye ikokokubana inkululeko xa sifika kwithuba layo kufuneka siyithathe siyise kwindawo yayo esekugqibeleni yokuqinisekisa into kobana nobutye bibelizwe bubuyela kuba nimibu and yafuna ke into kokubana naloka mugayi ugqiba uthetha angabhibhidli amazinyo eh kuba kumnandi uthetha kodwa kunzima ukwenza kule kweli phondo lasentshona kapha lento ayithethayo ayingqinelani nento abazenzayo kuba bona basenza isahlulelo ngendlela abajonga ngayo abantu kwaye xa ulijongile lapho ndiyalibona into kokubana bona in their minds poverty is something that is natural it is not a creation of a system which pretty much they employ in their province when they mainstream their own administration however they must draw lessons from the national perspective so that they don't see themselves as a country within a country but as a province within a unitary state we are not a federal republic here so <clears throat> the programs which are mainstreamed by the national government they ought to take a cue from there so that even in their own provincial cabinet we can see young people as you can see that in all other eight provinces the young people that were speaking here even though they are above the age of 35 they are still youthful and very zealous Uh, but it lacks in the provincial cabinet of the western cape as i rise to contribute towards this important debate chaperson which is to honor and pay tribute to the gallant youth of 1976 who risk their own lives for the realization of a transformed south africa allow me to borrow words from the anc's ready to govern document which states uh, the following society has a responsibility to develop and nurture its youth to allow them to reach their full potential in order to make a meaningful contribution as individuals and as members of society their resourcefulness energy enthusiasm must be harnessed to allow them to play their meaningful role in our country close quote the blood that was shed by the youth of 1976 was not in vain the uprising profoundly changed the socio-political landscape in south africa as the current generation of young people confronts the staggering levels of unemployment deepening poverty and widening inequality further exacerbated by the covid-19 pandemic our government needs to put more emphasis into ensuring that young people are located at the center of our economy and economic recovery as articulated in the government's economic reconstruction and recovery plan smmm is run by young people women persons with disability ought to play a significant role in the delivery of the infrastructure in order to necessitate and to catalyze economic recovery and reconstruction various government departments are encouraging and supporting them to form cooperatives in key economic sectors 
and prioritizing extending access to funding for initiatives to drive the reconstruction and recovery of the South African economy. As part of building the skills base required for our changing economy, young people have been provided with tools and training to enable them to access online learning and economic opportunities through various government departments and entities. The ANC government, through a number of interventions, aims to ensure that the empowerment of our youth is enhanced so as to foster competitiveness and resilience. The African National Congress welcomes the intervention made through the presidential employment stimulus. Over 870,000 work opportunities have been provided and 84% of the participants were young people and 62% of them women. Many of these young people have been placed in schools as education assistants and home affairs as recently recruited unemployed young people across the country for the digitization of paper records. That's enhancing their skills and contributing to the modernization of citizens' services. Currently, the South African police has opened up for the application of entry-level police trainees for persons between the ages of 18 and 30 years. While we welcome the interventions of government to facilitate skills development and training opportunities through the National Electronic Media Institute of South Africa, NEMISA, and the Department of Communication and Digital Technologies, amongst others, where training is directly linked to employment in key growth sectors of the economy. The ANC once more calls on private sector companies in all sectors of the economy to drop work experience as a requirement for employment in order to be able to absorb, to absorb many of our young people. Today, many graduates from our universities are struggling to find employment because they do not meet the minimum requirements pertaining to work experience. Government reconstruction and recovery plan has identified that social combating will be a key enabler in building a more capable and developmental state in the post-COVID-19 period. In this regard, government is working hard to conclude negotiations with the social partners in order to respond to the president's commitment made during the State of the Nation address earlier this year. Various incentive schemes have been provided by our government to lobby the private sector behind employment and skills development of unemployed young people of our country. The president has committed that the Social Employment Fund will create a further 50,000 work opportunities using the capability of organizations beyond government. In areas such as urban agriculture, early childhood development, public art, and tackling gender-based violence. The 50,000 participants will be recruited for the revitalized National Youth Service, of which more than 7,000 have already started to work. While these initiatives give young people of South Africa hope, it is worth acknowledging that more still needs to be done. We must call on the private sector to support efforts of our government by taking up the incentive and giving young people the necessary opportunities. Over the next three years, the ANC government has committed itself to supporting the emergence of a new generation of black industrialists 
creating a conducive environment for the creation of mass employment and transforming the economy. 25 billion rands has been set aside for this work, which is aimed at uplifting and supporting black women, youth, and worker-owned companies. Amidst the impeccable devastation brought about by the advent of COVID-19 in our economy, young people of South Africa have truly embraced the concepts of self-determination and resilience. They have been able to explore unconventional startup enterprises so that they are able to provide for themselves and their families. Some of these include making use of digitization, social media, and various online platforms to market or sell goods and services. The NYDA database has also assisted some young people to get employment, such as Busiso Mashaba, a 21-year-old from Soweto in Gauteng, who was able to find employment by registering in the NYDA database. A 29-year-old from Limpompo named Rendani Mutueiwana was able to launch her own orthotics and prosthetics business at the height of COVID-19 with the help of the National Youth Development Agency. Rendani completed the NYDA short business management training course and then applied for funding, which she received with an additional website voucher containing a 12-month maintenance contract. In KwaZulu-Natal, a young person aged 34 by the name of Nakokonke Mngadi was able to secure funding from the Provincial Department of Economic Development, Tourism and Environmental Affairs, Operation Vula Business Fund, and from the National Youth Development Agency to adequately run his business of selling purified water. This young person identified the need for cleaner drinking water in the area of Richards Bay and has since been assisted with water softener to remove harmful minerals and some metals from water to make it safe to drink as well as to fridge amongst other things. Young people of South Africa, we would like to encourage you to register your information through the NYDA website or visit one of the 17 branches for, for more assistance. The sayouth.mobi is also a free online platform where one can register this their information to access it is for funding. The ANC recognizes the importance of entrepreneurship, uh, skills development, and mainstreaming of the youth into all the sectors of the economy to mitigate the high levels of unemployment. That is why government is advancing the socioeconomic empowerment of the youth through the review of the National Youth Policy and the National Youth Development Agency Amendment Bill to prioritize interventions that support skills development, leadership programs, and the support of young entrepreneurs in the country. As themed in the President's State of the Nation address earlier this year, our rebuilding efforts should leave no one behind, in particular the youth. The youth should be the drivers of our economic recovery. They should be the torchbearers, and they should be in the front line as pioneers who come up with fresh ideas on how to deal with the challenges of the day in a post-COVID South Africa. Statistics have revealed that graduates are less likely to be 
unemployed when compared to youth that do not have tertiary education or developed skills. The ANC government is driving the skills revolution by opening up the doors of learning to young people from across the disadvantaged homes. Since the 1994 democratic breakthrough, government has strengthened measures that have improved access to higher education. Government has provided 149 billion towards NSFS to support millions of students to access higher education. Government continues to support graduates and youth through its learnership and internships program. Annually, government provides a number of internships to graduates to provide them with on-the-job training and learnership programs to foster skills development. These apprenticeship, uh, apprenticeship programs cover all sectors of the economy. These are initiatives by government to absorb young people into active participation in the economy. Once again, we appeal to companies, large and small, to match government's efforts to reduce youth unemployment. Chairperson, understanding that one of the contributors to the high levels of unemployment is a mismatch between skills required in the labor market. As you market. conclude. And as I conclude, and uh, is the mismatch between the skills required in the labor market and those produced by many education and training institutions, we must commend government's efforts to develop a new landscape for skills and education training authorities. CITAS must be aligned with the national priorities and our national industri industrialization strategy. To further the skills development throughout all the young people in the country, particularly those between the ages of 15 and 24, the targeting our skills development program to benefit unemployment of the youth, low-skilled youth, and those in precarious forms of employment, including the self-employed, is a move in the right direction. Chairperson, we want to commend the work of the government as this august house uh, of the seniors. And uh, to say that it is only through interventions like these, which are very progressive, that we can begin to transform the landscape of our society and turn the corner in terms of giving the economic strategy a right traje trajectory uh, in, into the future of a country that secures a sustainable and prosperous um, livelihood for the young people of our country. And uh, <clears throat> on behalf of the ANC, I want to take this opportunity to wish all South Africans um, a happy Youth Day tomorrow. And uh, let's go out there to support the youth of our country. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Mkiva. Honorable members, uh, that concludes the debate. Allow me to take this opportunity to thank the Deputy Chair of the NCOP, Mayor Lucas, our special delegates, MECs from our respective provinces, all members who participated in this very important debate. With that, all honorable members, that concludes the business of the day. The House is adjourned. Thank you very much. Thank you. 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 Thank you.